about setting it up real quick before you got here, but I was like, oh, time crunch. Yeah. I haven't seen my wife in a while. I need to sit down. <laughs> so, everybody, welcome back to another. Is this fabulous? This is going to be a blabulous Ooh, episode. Yeah, let's get it started. <laughs> get the party started. Yes, let's get this pate started. And uh, this is episode. 173. Oh, you're Four, so close. Oh, you're two, even closer. Five. You're even, yes, one of those. <laughs> it's episode one of those of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Hey, everybody. Before we get into this episode of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, there's a couple things I want to say. We have a giveaway this week, thanks to Law Tigers and our buddies at their Motorcycles Misfits podcast from the Recycle Garage up in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Here's what you need to know. I'm going to give you half of a phrase in a minute. And you're going to take that information and you're going to travel over to the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast on Monday. And they're going to give you the other half of this phrase. And then you're going to email us at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com for your chance to win a pair of these tickets. Now, Law Tigers was generous enough to give us four tickets. And I'm splitting them up because I want a couple people to be able to go with their buds to the Sacramento Mile. It is the first mile of the season. And Law Tigers, America's Motorcycle Lawyer, is the title sponsor. Let me tell you a little bit about Law Tigers. Whether it's street or off-road, these guys and gals are riders and racers themselves, and they continue to support the motorcycle world by protecting riders across the nation. Law Tigers offers free legal advice for all motorcycle matters, and they have over $600 million in motorcycle sediments won. I'll tell you what. Uh, they just wrapped up the Arizona TT and they're going to be doing the mile. They have got their hands in everything that's dirty and fast. And now's your chance to win tickets to the, the uh, Sacramento Mile, May 18th. I'm going to give you the phrase that pays right now. I'd like to call it the catchphrase. Liza came up with the phrase that pays. You know, I don't dig it that much. It's corny. So is catchphrase. So is everything. <laughs> so just take. This phrase right here. Here's your half coming to you from Junk's Mouth. Let me get ready. <laughs> All right, tickets to the Sacramento Mile, May 18th. What can I? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let Wiggins. This this uh, catchphrase comes from an episode, and it comes from Wiggins' mouth. The guys at Nokomoto love this phrase. So I'm going to go ahead and let Wiggins say it, and uh, we'll let Liza finish the other half of it on Monday. All right, you ready for this phrase? Chew Big Red. So if you didn't catch that, it was Chew Big Red. Chew Big Red. That is your ticket to win tickets. Uh, take that over to Motorcycles Misfits on Monday. And uh, yeah, pick up uh, the second half of that catchphrase. Email creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. The complete thing with Sacramento Mile in the subject header. And that's your chance to win ticks to uh, Sacramento Mile May 18th. Presented by Law Tigers, America's Motorcycle Lawyers. Motel. <laughs> and if you want some air horn goodness, I think I have some, but enough about that right now. <laughs> All right. This is episode 174. You were so close. There we go. And uh, tonight we got a little bit of a challenge. Plus, there's a couple things happening. Plus, me and Jay are just going to blab. Wiggs is out of town. 
Wiggs has generously sent me 17 hours of him talking to his phone, <laughs> pretending he's here. And of course, it was over 40 minutes long. It wouldn't be Wiggs if it wasn't. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're, I'm excited to put that stuff up and it might come out in two different episodes. So Wiggs, get to your race and do your race and do all the important stuff you need to do. Don't worry about... Uh, now that you've done that 40 minute rant session, don't worry about uh, submitting anymore um, unless you really feel the need to because we probably have enough to tie us over till you get back. And good luck. Hope you're having fun in Tenna, Kentucky. I don't even remember where he is. He's in, he's in Mississippi, Tennessee, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in the Mid East, uh, racing on some red clay, doing something like that. Nice. Good luck. Yeah. Um, to kick things off this week, I did want to make a quick, quick announcement. The Californian is tomorrow, if you're hearing this, and so is the Quail. And we've had tickets up to both on uh, on our blog and in the show notes every week. So I hope you've been able to get the goods for that. We had somebody actually reaching out to us. Uh, Brady kind of put me in charge of the – or he said, you know – he said, hey, there's a World War II bomber going overhead right now. You, you want to wait for it? And I was like, sure. How'd you know? You're not even here. But um, that's what I get for not closing the studio door, by the way. Uh, I think I'm going to leave this in as a lesson to myself. But anyway, I said, hey, I got this crazy idea. Uh, Vespa did this thing when they did their world launch of uh, you know the whatever scooter. I forget what they called, called it. And uh, they did this big artwork where the people would use the bodies of these, like, unibody of these scooters and made crazy artworks out of them. Some of them were super cool. Some of them were, like, totally out of there. And he said, make it happen. And I was like, oh, crap. So now uh, I am... Calling myself an art director is so, so pompous. It's kind of like, you know, when someone's like telling you an idea and you're like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And because you agree with them, they're like, oh great. Now you can take now you over. Can do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, because also he's putting on the whole show and I'm like stressed out. I've got hives. Do you see how much hair I lost this week? <laughs> um, I got shingles, hives, mumps. Measles. Uh, I got hep C. I don't even know how you get hep C <laughs> just from getting stressed out. But, um, but yeah, and I lost uh, three fingernails this week, not from chewing them, just they fell off when I got all nervous and I'm not even doing anything but trying to get a few yokels together and make something myself for this dang show so I can only imagine the uh, anxiety that Brady's feeling yeah but he's so the master planner he's he, got it under control he's you know he does track days he's done a couple of Californias now this is his third one and uh, does parties here and there he's he is he's good at planning he's good at what he does and uh, I am not but if he's he's stressing out over the main show I'm stressing out over this and I just want to tell you, damn, like it's uh, it's tomorrow and I cannot wait. And uh, I did want to say we have only got one pine car derby back from the field, which is pretty <laughs> sweet. Uh, I'm going to show you it in, okay. uh, when we take a little break in a little bit. I'll show it to you and then uh, you can revel in its awesomeness. But there's a couple showing up. I dropped one off at Steady Garage last week or the week before um, and told them bring something bring it steady style. And, uh, I got a couple that I'm entering. Jay, I really could have gone to your little workshop like a <laughs> month have ago. Do any um, blocks that I can just hammer one out real quick? Do you have any like unused ones? Not unused that I can think of, mm. but, uh, I got a partially used one if you want I'll to hear right now. Bring some scrap wood. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's not going to matter at this point. Yeah, bring bring whatever. Go and go to the. There's a Boy Scout store right up the street. You just hit up and grab. Yeah, the I think things. we have like a bunch of scrap pine at work. So nice, just- nice. Now Brady was using the S and W uh, kit cars from S and W Woodcrafts, but 
we need some competition. So just bring bring a dang skateboard with a big <laughs> It doesn't matter at this point. Bring, bring a life-size soapbox derby car. He probably let it race. So that's a super exciting. I can't wait for the Californian tomorrow. Uh, if you're up north, I know Liza is going to the Quail from Motorcycles and Misfits because she's getting honored up there. Mm-hmm. And they're having off-road wonders through the 90s. So probably from like the 50s when people used to call them scrambles and hair scrambles. And motocross was yet to be a thing all the way until the 90s when it became, like, legit. And then people started turning into, like, I don't know, was it late 90s? People started doing, like, crusty demons of dirt and, like, Mm -hmm. motocross was a thing. Yeah. All those raunchy pornos started getting filmed out in the (laughs) desert because it's like, hey, there's uh, trailer trash out here. And, yeah, there's no cops. So uh, it it was a thing from the 90s. Um, so all of that's going down this weekend. We're going to get a full report, uh, from the Californian for you and bring it to you next week. And the international female ride day is oh, Friday yeah. or Saturday too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to dress up like a lady. I think, uh, <laughs> usually I dress up, um, as a dapper gentleman for Brady's Californian <laughs> because it kind of celebrates Derby day. But I think in honor of international female ride day, I'm just going to dress up like a lady. Or dress up like a motorcycle and let my daughter ride me around the uh, the racetrack. There, um, are you excited? We got a little we got a little challenge this week. We got a break yeah. challenge. Yeah, I'm very excited. Anything motorcycle related always gets yeah. gets me going. So yeah, and I, and did, I love to learn new stuff. So me too. Like learning how to shut the door to the studio, which I'm going to do <laughs> yeah. while you. Go ahead and stall for some time. Say something cool and interesting. You should. Whenever I used to do this to Wiggins, he would go white. He would just <laughs> stare straight ahead, like "Oh my god!" Like like a stoner taking a DMV test. It was so. Oh rad. man! But I'm gonna go close the door to the studio so that we don't get that World War One bomber or my dog coming through okay. here and trashing it like last week. Hurry, hurry, hurry! Uh, yeah. So I'm excited. Um, learning new things. It's always interesting because. You know, you think that you know a lot, and I don't, certainly don't. But then, uh, just when I started researching, I was just blown away. I was like, "Oh!" And then start going down rabbit holes. So it's like one rabbit hole. I started looking at brakes, and then I started looking at braking styles, and like you know, Rad. there's different types of things that affect the brakes. And it, I just because at first when you mentioned the brake challenge, I was like, "Uh." Okay, and I know Wiggs was like, uh, "There's only two types." So <laughs> yeah, here's <laughs> the thing. I, I really wanted to put this off. I didn't really. I was thinking of you know, yeah, yeah let's let's uh, trash the brake challenge. Wiggins didn't want to do it. He said, "There's two types of brakes: um, drum and disc." One that's good and, and drum one that sucks. sucks. <laughs> yeah, basically. And I said, "Well, I was all excited about the brake challenge because I was like, that's like saying that there's two type of motors." combustion and electric and electric sucks yet we did a full motor challenge for five weeks without even uh, bringing in electric motors and so it was more of an engine challenge really than a motor challenge and we both did rotaries i think we both did twins and it's so funny we never crossed paths it, we were, it was it was amazing yeah. so now that he's out of town i'm like you know there's there's a couple of things i want to do and i want to talk about but if we're going to do the brake challenge, we'll do it now. He's going to be gone for two weeks. Um, so we're going to do a three-week challenge here. And Wiggs, when you get back on the third week, you're in here. You can be the final judge and uh, judge us on. I think the, the challenging the part about the challenge that you posed was trying to understand what you were going for. But I think 
once I kind of rephrased it in my head and I was thinking like, oh, okay, it's like elements that are related to breaks. Yeah. And then that kind of expanded into all of the different areas that I started researching. And then that's when I started to start seeing different patterns yeah. and things that I found interesting. Yeah. And, just and then like, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I can talk about this or I can talk about that. Right. And just like we did, we, we did a suspension challenge and what, there's only two types of suspensions, uh, but like rigid, which is no suspension, right? <laughs> and then sprung, right? But we figured out a bunch of different types of suspensions. So once you start looking at it like that, and we didn't even go into all the suspensions, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like we, I, I only covered one type of BMW suspension, the telelever, I believe, and I maybe did the dual lever. That's two lever types of suspensions, and BMW even uses like a third type of Hasek, which they just came out with. And so there's all sorts – just one manufacturer gave me three possibilities. And uh, so I'm hoping to do that with the brake challenge. And we all know these challenges are really just um, basically – oh, my God. I forgot the worst, the best part of the challenge. The oh my worst God. or the best The part. worst, best part. <laughs> The first challenge Wiggins and I did was kind of dull, and uh, we just talked about engines, and the second challenge was made quite hilarious, in my opinion, <laughs> by curses that we had to do, uh, and I totally didn't clue you into this. Uh, can I pause the recorder real quick, and we'll come back? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Hang on, people. All right, we're back. At least for a moment, we're back. <laughs> Jay, I'm going to... Pick a number between one and ten, or should we roll dice for this? This is so hard. I like the dice. You like the dice I like, idea? I think the dice is good. All right, everyone, we're going to pause again and make it a dice. <laughs> All right, we're back. It's gone a little bit wrong here, but <laughs> things are going sideways. Jay has agreed to a curse, and uh, <laughs> she's got a coin with the Hayabusa on one side and a TC250, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, Suzuki's first bike in 1963, right? Yep. Okay. And the Busa was from 2013, celebrating 50 years of Suzuki in America? Woo. Or 60 years? What is that? F- uh, 50. 63 to well, two, yeah. 50 to, it was 63 to 2013. Yeah. So that was 100 years ago already. Uh, so she's going to flip it. Uh, let, I'm going to let her pick heads is the Busa. Oh, I think ta- I think it should be tails because that so? motherfucker's heavy. Okay. It's got a big old booty. All right. Tails, <laughs> the big old booty Busa is tails. And the TC is heads. I'm going to let you call it in the air. Okay. Heads. <laughs> what did it land on? Uh, it landed on tails. Oh, Jay, you get a curse. Uh. <laughs> you have to talk like David Cameron. I have no idea who the fuck that is. All I know is that he's British. <laughs> oh, my God. Accents are not. I cannot. Let's hear it. Inter- hello. <laughs> Perfect, Gav. Uh, hello. <laughs> That's all I can say. Perfect, Gav. I'm ready to hear you about regenerative. And, and as the loser of the curse, see, Wiggins, this works out perfect every time. <laughs> uh, as the loser of the curse challenge and the coin flip, you did win something, and that's to go first. So here is round one of our breaks challenge. Take it away. Well, actually, let's play this rad music. Do you want me to start talking? <laughs> I want you to speak. You, you want, you the want king, me the to king's start English stuff. If it gets too crazy, yeah, if it gets too crazy and you can't speak about binders anymore, go ahead and 
Trim it. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, are you from Sussex or Wessex I, I, or from uh, Liverpool? I, I can't. Oh, oh, I'm from all over the world. <laughs> I like to travel a lot. Uh, uh, so we're going to talk. I feel like I'm a bit uh, Australian. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're quickly going Australian <laughs> Irish there. <laughs> all right, all right, Jay, you did it. You did a good job. Okay, okay. You, you, you're. I could tell that it, this is going to be a struggle for you. So, all right. Well, well, let's just hear it straight from Jay's mouth in her regular. Oh right. Regular accent from <laughs> Dirtbag America. <laughs> so. Um, in the challenge, when we were discussing breaks, I was thinking, okay, I don't want to go with necessarily break, um, like the hub, the system itself, um, the mechanism. And then I was researching, seeing what was out there. And um, I know uh, I always, when I was looking at getting my banana, looking at different sport bikes, I noticed the uh, saying of like radial or versus axial mm-hmm. mounted yeah. systems. And I never really knew what that was about. I yeah. just kind of was like, oh, and I didn't never took the time to research it. So um, I was interested in, okay, well, let me check that out a little bit more and see what the difference is. It's actually fairly simple, but it's really interesting, mm-hmm. the, the mechanics behind it. So you have two different types you have um obviously this is in uh relation to disc brake systems not drum brake systems i know systems. you can't have radio mount <laughs> drums or i guess drums in general are kind of axial mount mm, well I, I don't know yeah they <laughs> would be they it, would be right yeah. because they're at any rate, let's just yeah. learn about your cool breaks and not talk yeah, about. Yeah, I have no drums. idea what the hell I'm talking about. So <laughs> you guys, take you know, I don't want to get any angry emails or uh, Instagram <laughs> messages. <laughs> They're internal centrifugal drums. Uh, um, so, anyways, you, when you're talking about, there's two different things that can be radial or axial. Um, there's the master cylinders, which is up near the lever, up on the handlebars, or something down by the discs, which would be the calipers, which holds the important stuff that attaches to your forks that stops the bike, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and axial and radial mount bri- like calipers normally is on the front too. Although I guess like on the back you could still have uh Yeah, you could you could you could have it either way on I the back. I think you could do it on the rear as well. Just depends on how the rear bracket is or how yeah. they mount. Yeah. Um, I don't see why you want to be able to do that. Um, so you basically, you, run, you don't even have to run brakes on the back. Probably, if you're on a sport bike, you hardly ever touch the rear brake anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, for instance, on my Harley, I have axial mounted calipers, and so they are mounted parallel to the axle. Um, <clears throat> yeah. like the, the, uh, the bolts that mount them, yeah, run parallel right. to the Right, so axle. you have the fork, and then you have, like, maybe a little bracket that sits out, and then you have the two bolts that go in, and those bolts are parallel to the axle on the front wheel. Um, so, let's see here. Oh, I lost my place. Yeah, and while, <laughs> while you find your place, I'm going to say one of the best ways, one of the most, um, I would say primitive ways of stopping a bike, like throwing a broom through its spokes is actually sort of axial because it goes in 
uh, parallel to the axle into the spokes and then wraps around and eventually hits the fork tubes and stops the wheel from turning. Happened to be on a BMXer when I was a kid. We would always, me and my buddies, throw sticks into each other's wheels. I can't tell you how many times I flipped over the handlebars on a BMX bike playing Mad Max. That was yeah. so much fun. Um, so the important thing to remember is that between these two systems, you're if you're just a not... Uh, basically not a racer, you're not going to notice the difference as much. Right. So um, let me flip over to... Even the- aggressive street riding and even, yeah, like you're not... Actually, aggressive street riding, you're probably less likely to feel it the more you... Com- like if you're a commuter like you are, mm-hmm. the more bumps and, you know... Terrain, different types of terrain you're going through, yeah, you're probably not even going to notice a difference. Well, the thing is, is I was actually thinking that for me, I would notice a difference because I am on the bike so often that I'm so in tune with everything. Like if go. I hear a noise or I feel something weird. Are you a Buddhist I- by chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do really try to be in touch. Like when I was on the way over here, I was just like, you know, really feeling the bike and the essence of it and the sound of it. And so like, for instance, if I maybe rev too high when I'm shifting gears, like I just notice all of those things. And my thing is I'm always trying to improve. I'm always trying to be better. So anytime just off the line, I'm always like, okay, you know, was that smooth? Or like, for instance, related to braking, um, coming up to stops. When I first got on the banana, um, because it's a dual disc bike, um, it bit a lot more than the Harley would. So when I would, I would usually put more pressure on the Harley. And so when I did that <laughs> on the, on the Suzuki, it was like, you almost did a stoppy. yeah, I, <laughs> not quite a stoppy, but I just felt it. And there's a lot of nosedive yeah. on that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on that bike. Yeah. I got to say, Bri Viffer's the first, uh, dual disc bike I've ridden in a long time. I don't think my I mean, even the bikes I had that were kind of powerful were older, so they didn't really have dual disc. I, I guess my Magna, I guess my Magna did have dual discs. It was the, almost the. I feel like the exact same. It was very familiar getting on his bike because the way it, everything felt, and uh, both dual disc axial mount. I, I was used to it, so yeah. Luckily, yeah. I didn't didn't do a stop you on this, but incredible brake dive when you have that much grab. Yeah. 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 So, um, I definitely noticed it right away. So I kind of feel like when I was doing this research that I was like, I, I kind of do want to do a radial setup because I think that, um, well, let me get back into it. So when you have the calipers, they are mounted parallel to the brake disc. So the bolt that attaches the caliper is no longer, in line with the axle, now it's parallel to the brake, to the disc itself. And so... This the, is radial. This is radial. Yeah, yeah. So the benefit of that is it actually makes the mounting of the caliper more rigid. And so whenever you're dealing with brakes and stopping, like rigidity is key because you don't want that chatter. The chatter is what can introduce that you know opportunity to slip or skid or hit a bump or something that will throw you off the path. So Are, because, yeah. Is the banana uh, axial, right? The banana is Yeah, axial? it's axial. Yeah. yeah. It's most common to be axial mounted. Um, it's more upon the higher end bikes that you'll find the radial calipers and the radial master cylinders. <laughs> it's super easy to machine an axial fork when all you need to do is put two holes for a bolt to go through where radial you have to make like 
little tabs to come out that are threaded in mm-hmm. so that the bolt yeah can run through the caliper and then into the fork tube. Yeah, right? there yeah. are there are um, kits where you can uh, transform like a, a axial mount mm. system into a radial right. system. So it is possible. They just make a new bracket that mm-hmm. fits on. The, okay, yeah. yeah. So with the radial calipers, because it's um, parallel to the disc, you have less of torsional force. So when you're stopping, you don't have that twisting force on the forks and uh, on the calipers. So you're not going to get as much chatter on the brake pads. You're going to have more consistent pressure that's applied um, and allows for smoother and quicker stopping power. Um, but as I said, it's not something that's necessarily, if you're not like really, really into racing or, uh, like maybe in trying to upgrade your riding style, then it's not going to be necessary. I I almost want to say it's almost like a, it's almost like a fork where you have inverted forks and then you have standard, uh, forks and inverted forks. The only reason, I mean, the only reason that they are super beneficial is because they're so beefy at the top. They don't flex. Whereas, uh, regulars for, you know, standard forks, they're so skinny that when you're even putting on the brakes at a, at a very, not, I wouldn't say microscopic cause you can sometimes see it on film, especially if you have a chopper to longer the forks. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's that sort of thing where you have backwards motion. You can see the forks flexing backwards every time you're on the brakes at a, at a such a small, well, let's say microscopic cause you do need like a, you would need a tiny pair of calipers to measure the actual, it's not like it flexes like a f- inch back, but it does flex enough to where it affects it. It affects handling. Then when the brakes dive right. down, it affects exactly. the handling. So radial and axial, I think you're getting to the point where you're never going to feel it just riding around the street. But yeah, once you get on the racetrack, the fact that the bolts go in and they go in at a certain side mm-hmm. um, and the calipers are mounted on a certain side of the bracket rather than in line with the bracket and in line right with the forks and the disc, yeah. that's where you're going to start – Maybe even getting like a, let's say microscopic again, because obviously the axle is not going to let the forks turn, Mm -hmm. but you are going to get sort of a flexing in of the, uh, of the wherever that it's mounted on because the the calipers are mounted to the right. outside. I mean, of the obviously, if you're on the track, you're putting uh, exponentially more force yeah. and stress on your bike. Kinetic so, energy is exactly. much higher, so you're going to want something that to reduce anything from twisting or cause, like I yeah. said, causing chatter or any of those. When issues. you get a one piece leather suit, you can't have axial brakes anymore. <laughs> it's almost like taboo. Uh, a lot yeah, of times you got to shave cooler. your facial hair. They definitely look, they do definitely, look cooler. They do look cooler. As well as the, the master cylinders. Um, so that's the, the basics on the, uh, the caliper systems. Um, one thing that I forgot to mention was that with the axial calipers, another thing that you can do, because it's, since it's parallel mounted, it allows you to also install um, bigger rotors because you can at, introduce some spacers, yeah. um, you know, space out the calipers a little bit further so you can have a larger diameter rotor. Yeah. I almost want to say that you do have a lot more, um, kind of fudge room if you have axial mount. Yeah, it's a lot simpler if stuff breaks. You don't have to like, you know, if you break a bolt on an axial system and the caliper falls off or something, you put new bolts through. If you break it on a radial system, it's stuck in the yeah, I didn't it's even stuck think of that. Into yeah. the tube now, no. in your hose. That yeah, I didn't even think about that. 
Um, so that was the caliper system. Uh, so then I, when I was researching, I noticed I was getting confused because when I put in axial versus radial and regarding brakes, like sometimes the caliper system would come up and then sometimes the master cylinders yeah. would come up. And, and that's something like, I totally forgot about. Like yeah. until you just mentioned it a minute ago, I totally forgot that there's different types of, uh, master cylinders that go along with these different types of, um, and I hadn't seen them. Like I seen them all, uh, a lot when I would go to Lucky Wills and on when Francesca would do her like bike nights and she would do like a maintenance thing tutorial and talk about various different things. And then they a lot of people would bring their Ducatis or sh- whatever street bikes. And I noticed up on top that their master cylinder looked different. Like it was kind of like round and the, smaller and more compact and sometimes it's just a tube with fluid in it right yeah yeah Yeah. well those are like the chopper style (laughs) um so but i never knew like the mechanics behind it i thought it was just like an aesthetic thing i didn't think that it was actually doing something different and so then as i started to do the research and i saw that uh again it's the placement of where it's mounted or where the work is being done so on the Radio on the axial master cylinder, the piston is parallel to the handlebars. So when you um, press down the lever, um, the pressure from the lever, you see it's like a got a little tab and it's like 90 degrees and it's pushing the piston parallel to. She's showing you folks, can't you see? (laughs) She's over here. Lots of hand gestures right now. You should be able to see that, but (laughs) I am just gesturing with my hands, which you will have to use your imagination as far as what the hell I'm doing. Um, So, why are you giving me the bird? (laughs) (laughs) So then, uh, what? And this is where it was starting to click for me as far as wanting to change my brake system, because a lot of people will say that because you're redirecting it and you're. It's not like a direct mechanism, right? You have the 90 degrees. Uh, it creates what some people will ca- would call a mushier feeling in the lever. And that is something that I noticed I have on, on the banana. The difference between the axial master cylinder and also like a lot of the, for instance, the master cylinders like a rectangular. Thing, yeah, I was going to say. built in, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of bulkier and bigger. I'm trying to think if 100% of them are like that, but I can't say 100% are. But most of the times when you have like, yeah, um, when you have a a giant reservoir that's built into like the bracket where the brake mounts to, most of the time those are axial. I'm trying to think if I'm wrong in saying most of the time, but I can't think of any radio. That's what I was trying to find out if it was totally different. So if anyone knows that it could be potentially uh, axial mounted and still have the round reservoir, you can let us know because I would be interested in finding that out. So then you have the radial master cylinder, and so the piston is perpendicular to the handlebar. So the lever is acting as you're pressing the lever, you're directly actuating the piston. Instead of having it redirected 90 degrees in the um, axial system, it's just directly pushing on it. So that then allows the feeling to be more stiff, almost more immediate. You can feel the bite. There's less of a mushiness. Um, And you don't have the flex at the fork, the minute 
microscopic flecks of the axial, uh, right? Right, right. Because anywhere, if you introduce chatter or, or vibration into the system, it definitely will be felt throughout the system. Um, so then you can also, which I thought was interesting and kind of cool, is you can dial it in. And so some people, they want to feel that pressure right away. So you'll have that immediate bite, or you can tone it down so it's more consistent of a pressure as you pull the lever in further and further. So it allows you to have a little bit of customization of the feel of the lever. Um, so that's overall the the difference between the radial and the axial systems. Uh, again, it's not something that's necessarily hugely going to be necessary for somebody who's not writing every day or doesn't want like it doesn't care about as much as that feeling. A lot of people from the comments I was reading were saying like, you know, as long as my bike stops, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what matters safely. And also a tip is even before you get to that point, if you're looking to upgrade your brake system, um, the better place to start is like brake pads, really upgrading your brake pads first, and then also bleeding the system because just those two things, fine-tuning those two things, can make a huge difference in the feel of your brakes on the bike. Um, yeah, the CBR, I just wanted to look up one example. The uh, CBR650R radial mount calipers but a uh, regular uh you know m- milled or whatever aluminum uh reservoir so not the little wango tango cup with the uh, but it still has a- uh so the 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 calipers are radial mounted mm-hmm. but the old uh i'm pretty sure that master cylinder has a piston in it with and the old with, and it's axial yeah, yeah. i'm like uh, i'm i'm 98 point three to seven percent sure about that but um but yeah that's interesting that is interesting to know i remember when the break when the um brembos were recalled uh it was the master cylinder that was recalled and it was only the like radial master cylinders it was recalled or something like that and it's because the little direct piston thing inside was like cracking or something right whereas like with the other ones with the pistons you have like a rubber seal around it and like little couple different points of um Failure protection, I guess. I mean, yeah. I'm not 100 percent about that. I just know that what was failing on those. But yeah, it was only the. It wasn't every Brembo on Ducatis. It was just like one kind. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, speaking of Brembo, Brembo in uh, 1985 had registered a patent for the braking system of the Radio Master cylinder. So they basically were the ones who had this breakthrough and um, really changed and improved some of the braking, especially in relation to, you know, the racing. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it is a big, most of the time on race bikes or sport bikes that people want you to think are awesome, they'll put radial mount calipers. And from a manufacturing standpoint, it's a little bit more expensive, but it makes your bike look cooler and legit. Oh, they look so much cooler. Yeah. I definitely want but to. But like the CBR, we it. know that it, unless you have like steel brake lines and, you know, a bunch of other things, you're still going to get a little bit of flex over, you know what yeah. I mean? Like over time. It's just, there's a whole bunch more to feeling mushy and what people say they can and can't feel. I think now that could be totally talking out of my ear right now, <laughs> but I think that Motorcycle Garage. MC Garage, you know, motorcyclist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Ari did. Yeah. 
I watched the videos. Okay. He did something on the difference between <laughs> yes, those. Yes, he did. Yeah. I know that's where I got he, a lot of the information. Yeah, he was saying that you really can't tell. Like as much as you right. like to think you can. Yeah. And as much as your um, Power Ranger suit when you're out there on the yeah. twisties makes you think you're Valentino Rossi. Um, you're you're not. And there is like very little, his explanation is much more eloquent than mine. (laughs) He does such a good job of like explaining it, but that's essentially part of where I got most of my information. He's only been riding motorcycles since he was one. So (laughs) it kind of doesn't count, but yeah, so that's good. Is there a, is there a final point? Um, no, I just think as, as far as in relation, bring it back more to me personally, just because, of all of the nosedive that I do experience on my bike, I definitely think I am going to do the upgrade down the road because I, I the nosedive is immediate. I haven't I haven't upgraded my springs. I need to get in there and upgrade that. But anything to like minimize it, yeah. Because you know, riding in LA every day and like you said, all of the bumps and the crazy drivers. I really want to have the smoothest and firmest brake. Yeah. that I can have while yeah. I'm on the streets. I just put, you know, I'm out there so often that the brakes are like the most important yeah. part yeah. as far as like saving my bacon. Yeah. And when you're saving bacon, there's, you definitely don't want to do it. Yeah. You don't want to waste bacon. <laughs> it's America's favorite meat. <laughs> um, I was going to say, do you think that getting better brakes is going to make the dive worse? make the dive worse no i think i'll have better control because it'll be more like tactile and i'll have like a sense uh like with the mushiness i have a tendency to go a little too hard because it feels squishy and so then i i pull the lever in further but then um it's hard to judge like when to stop you see what i'm saying like because you don't it's spongy you just keep like pull 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 and then it's too much and then that's when the dive kicks in. Yeah. So I unless feel like you, if it was yeah, firmer. Unless you gave it firm. You know what you can do is trail break a little bit in a yeah. straight line, yeah. squeeze it hard, and then trail off yeah. it as you. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. what I do in my car. I, I stop hard before I need to because who knows what's going to happen by the time I get up to that car. A person's going to try and jump and lane in front of me. I've... The funny thing is, is last night I when I was doing some of this research, I watched a video on trail breaking and I was like... I totally do that. You I didn't do even it. Yeah. know that I yeah. that's what it was called, yeah. but that's literally what I constantly yeah. do. I yeah. do it in my car. My kids probably have motions. They could probably be astronauts actually and not get sick because I'm flying around every corner that I can because yeah, I break uh, super late and then through the turn slightly. Um, speaking of brake dive, Spamala drum brakes, right? Awful brake dive. You know why? <laughs> because I'm stopping at. 2019 speeds on a 1980s bike and back in 1980 when she was made and up until up until right around like 95 was it i think i was in high school or something when so i don't think it was until the 90s that um and for everybody that's listening that's like i wasn't born until 2000 fuck you <laughs> holy you christ ni- you, 19, you know what when you, you say that that old. really makes me feel old yeah. because that person would be 19, 19 yeah jesus christ hey I feel you know really what's the now. good side about that old enough for us to beat up <laughs> <laughs> and beat them or yeah. them beat us <laughs> well yeah old, old enough for us to get beat up i'm sick of getting beaten up by eight-year-old kids i'm down if a 19 year old beat me up to just say it was an adult that beat me up finally but yeah, the sp- I want to say it was the 90s when the speed limits went from 55 to 
65 people. Can you believe that? 65, 10 miles an hour they gave us. And uh, Still now, not fast enough. I know. Now it's up to 70. Well, people do 100 around here anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, the speed limit, the, the stock speedo on this has a mark at 55. Like, oh, dude, you better watch it. You're hitting the red zone. Although it can go to uh, 137 or something like that. Yeah, have you ever gotten it up? Oh, yeah, dude, at least, at least. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had the Speedo wrap around once, so I was at least going 237. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what the point I'm trying to make is the brake dive uh, on this bike, this bike, it just happens, and you know why? Because they have suspensions. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing for your brake dive would probably be to Adjust your suspension. All right, yeah, I already did that. The it's better already, the preload is already yeah. as stiff as it yeah, can yeah, go, yeah. which actually I immediately noticed the difference. Yeah. I think it was on. Did it make your ride harsher though? Um, yeah, I did a little yeah. bit, but um, it, I think it was like on a two, and then I adjusted it down to a zero, I believe, and I noticed immediately, especially riding two up, because um, one day when Ashley and I were riding two up, um, I was rolling up to a stop and then um, there was a car parked and kind of was like a blind spot on my left side. So I pulled up a little bit further and then I noticed the car was still coming down the street. So then I quickly hit the front brake and then the nosedive just like I was not prepared for it and then there's gravel. So when I went to touch down with my foot, everything just like I slipped (laughs) and then we fell over and it was... It was funny. <laughs> My buddy did that on his like 1963. I don't even know what it is. It's like a panhead full dress. He said it weighs like a thousand, tw- like 1200 pounds because it was all, he's like, dude, it's all iron and chrome and everything weighs 80 pounds that you put on it. But that's how they made it back in like 63. And he was riding it on gravel. Yeah, he had to do like a quick panic stop. And he said he put his foot down and that, you know, a 1200 pound Harley oh, yeah. going sideways. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it happens. And, the brake dive will get you every time. Yeah, yeah. I have some stiffer but forks and some... Um, also, the one day that you're riding down the freeway and you smack into a bump and it doesn't, you know, the pre- preload is so hard that there's no rebound, that's going to get you too because then you're going to learn like what a 100 mile an hour wheelie feels like. Yeah, yeah. I, I've <laughs> done something like that. I don't know if it was 100 miles per hour, but I've definitely Even had those 60, situations. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's good. I like this, and I I'm I commend you for at least giving the English uh, accent a try. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm sorry that I couldn't do it all the way through. I think it would make people uh, some people's ears bleed. <laughs> yeah. Especially any British people that listen to the show. Are like, dude, we you, need Emma. Then yeah. Need they're Emma. like South Africans are like you hit us for a second, <laughs> then you went over to Australia, then you went back to. But I think um, I'm better at the Australian accent for some reason. Australians probably wouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> But anyway, yeah, the judges gave you a good score, but they minus 37 points for the uh, not using the uh, accent all the way through. But that's okay because now it's my turn and I'll totally skunk it up. So uh, that's good. Radio versus axial. Um, maybe you can uh, – we'll put some in the show notes. Tell me where you got some of that stuff. Obviously, yeah. listening to Ari on um, 
Yeah, uh, the MC Garage. MC Garage. They got a lot of good videos on definitely really good videos. And then um, Brembo has like basically a history of how they developed it on their website. So if you go to Brembo.com, that's where you can find um, a really good thorough explanation of the history of it. That'd be funny if you went to Nissan and they had the history of how they invented it. And and they're like, like, we (laughs) we actually filed the patent, not Brembo. Brembo. (laughs) The bimbo at Brembo, uh, yeah. Did some talking at the office and got our patent trashed. <laughs> um, so yeah, as with the suspension challenge, I think it was the last week that uh, Wiggins brought in the mind-blowing suspension. And then I heard it reiterated about two weeks ago on Adventure Rider Radio. A man from uh, Dunlop Tire said, yeah, your tire is the very first active mm-hmm. part of the suspension. Right. It's literally touching the road. So Wiggins was thinking out of the box when he went with that suspension mm-hmm being the tire. So I'm going to try and go out of the box and talk about the one type of braking that doesn't involve brakes at all. And that is regenerative braking. <laughs> and we have it on motorcycles now, and we're going to have it on a lot more motorcycles pretty soon, but it's mm-hmm. been on cars for like over 20 years. So hey, asshole that was born in 2000, it's been around <laughs> since longer than you. I think probably the mid... 90s when uh, the Honda Insight and the Saturn, uh, I forget what it's called, the EV1 or whatever came out. Um, I'm sure they were, I'm pretty sure the Insight had regen braking because there was like a little, back before an iPad even, even existed and smartphones weren't around yet. Like this is, I, I worked at a shop back then. It um, had a little thing about as big as my iPhone 6 here and that was like, whoa, look at that technology, mate. <laughs> and uh, it was right there in the dash and it would show you like little green things going back into your battery. So I'm mm. pretty sure the Honda Insight had regenerative braking. But regenerative braking is over 20 years old. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it is first and some principles behind it because like how it works is kind of kind of a one-liner so (laughs) kind of like my joe my jokes um so it's over 20 years old and it's only on electric and hybrid electric cars but i just read something that refutes that today saying that you can have it it's not really compatible with um combustion engine cars because the drive wheels have like a live axle they're not driven by an electric motor Mm -hmm. so it's kind of hard to get the the old energy to come back through a a drive axle. And the whole thing about it is that, uh, well, I'll talk about that in a minute. But anyway, I learned that there are some brakes that somehow um, use like a stepper motor or something like that. I don't know. Like a servo or something. Yeah. It it didn't say that they use the heat to obviously suck heat back in, but they do use some sort of motor um, that when you apply the brake, it yeah steps it back through it. So I don't know how they work. It's probably like an intermediary between the axle and maybe the braking system. Could be, could be. Maybe there's like a, yeah, something on the axle, like a stator that's uh, getting that energy back. Well, then why wouldn't it just get it all the time, even when you're going forward? Well, I'll have to figure that out on my own. This is my, (laughs) I picked regenerative braking. Thank you for helping me try to figure it out. So uh, how it works is that under under normal braking with regular calipers, um, kinetic energy has to be turned into, you know, energy can never, like once it's created, it's can, not. It cannot be created. It can't, or can't be destroyed, right? That's a law of thermodynamics. Yeah, and I think if you listen to Bad Religion, they had a song called Entropy, right? And that's what it's called. Is uh, the you know entropy is like the loss of energy that you can't can't be destroyed. So it goes somewhere, 
And when you have regular brakes, um, you know, your calipers and your rotors, even my drums, I'm Spamala. Um, and even the bottom of my shoes, when I, when Spamala doesn't work so good, um, you're turning that kinetic energy into heat because the caliper or the shoe, um, you know, the brake pad either grabs your caliper or, or in my case, flexes out and hits the drums and the friction of the kinetic energy, the friction slows it down and it creates heat mm-hmm. and the heat. Uh, I'm not really going to go into this cause we might talk about this later in our brake challenge, but it does cause mushy lever because what happens is it can boil your, if you do it too much, mm-hmm. it'll boil your fluid. Yep. It takes a, it, um, brake fluid is a super high temperature thing, but it can boil and it's hygroscopic, which means that if you have it in your, uh, lines for a long time, water gets in there and water isn't, hard to boil. And right. so your brakes easily reach 212 if you're on them hard, um, especially if you're going to the racetrack or something or going through twisties. And so you squeeze them and it's not boiling the fluid, it's boiling the water that's in there. So now you have a bunch of air in your line, yada, yada. So there's a, um, I guess that's something that's problematic with, uh, with uh, hydraulic brakes and even cable brakes and stuff like that. But um, that's how they work is any energy, any kinetic energy that your bike has is lost when you, when you hit those old brakes. Right. Um, the one thing about them is that you know that they, uh, they're working or they're not working. Where I feel like regenerative braking or electric braking, you might not know that you're braking. <laughs> it's kind of like engine braking, right? Mm-hmm. So let's get into that. Um, regenerative braking uses the energy to that you're using to slow you down or stop and it puts it back into the batteries. And if you're wondering, uh, I'll get into the physics of how it works in a second, but the, the most important thing is, is that on a car or motorcycle that's internal combusted with regular brakes, once you're gone and once you make that energy, it disappears. And whether it's through your tires, excuse me, some of the, some of the force is lost with the friction of your tires grabbing the road to stop. That that is lost, and that's also lost in regenerative braking. Any braking that um, is kind of slowing a tire down and creating heat on the tire, that's lost. Um, but then everything else is lost as heat, and you, you don't get it back. Um, and so that's like zero percent efficient. You don't get any. That doesn't fill up your gas tank. You know, you mm. stop. It actually is worse, right? On a on an internal combustion engine, it's better if you never touch the brakes. That's mm. the most efficient you can make your motor. <laughs> but on an electric car, you can actually get a lot of energy back into your battery. Battery. It's almost like filling up your gas tank as you're driving by using the brakes. And this is how it works. Um, to to Regenerative braking can be broken down from what I've read into two different things. There's efficiency and effectiveness. And efficiency is basically uh, how well it works. Effectiveness is, uh, well, efficiency, I'm sorry, is not how well it works. Efficiency is what you're getting back from it. How efficiently are your brakes getting energy back to you? Effective is really how good is it even working and doing all that. So efficiency, um, from what I've read, and it didn't give a specific car maker. It didn't say like Teslas do this for sure and the Chevys and GMCs do this for sure. It just said um, basically regenerative braking is 60 to 70% efficient um, by regaining, recaptures about that much energy. And it said even regenerative braking isn't 100% um, of, of the energy regained because some of it's lost in 
uh, friction to the road and, and, uh, what's that rolling resistance, but what am I thinking? The coefficient of friction, whatever the coefficient of friction is also, uh, take into effect into account rather what, um, you're slowing down and stopping. And so you're losing energy, some of that energy to start up and get back up to speed. So they don't count that either. So even though you're, even though you're like, well, dude, that that doesn't, shouldn't count against it, but they do. They count that into there. So they're saying that up to um, 30 to 40% is lost, 10 to 15 of it is lost um, through heat. And uh, there there is some residual heat. And sometimes you have to put on the, the brake, which is not regenerative. You have to, it's, there's usually an auxiliary brake um, that stops you and slows you down um, in a panic situation or when regen isn't enough. But also then getting back up to that speed you lose another 10 to 15%. So it's about 60 to 70% capturing and regenerating energy back into your um, batteries. That's, that's still pretty good. Dude, I mean, this is pretty good. The traditional style doesn't. Now, just because it's 60 to 70% effective or efficient doesn't mean that it's 60 to 70% effective, which means you're not getting 60 to 70% of the charge to your batteries back. That's a hell of a lot of energy. You're plugging your car in for hours to get that much in a 110. It takes 15 minutes on a crazy fast charger to get that, right? So to do it while braking, yeah, you're getting it back through the the you know, the drive train. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting like uh 60 to 70% back, but what you are getting is quite a bit feel you're literally like it'd be like every time you put on your brakes in your motorcycle, uh the <laughs> gas tank filled up a little bit, you know, yeah. even just a little bit. I think that'd be that so would rad. Be cool if you could make that system so maybe it could generate energy for like say something like the lights and then therefore you could have a smaller oh, battery okay so then you could have space saving on the bike right but any anytime you're cruising on the freeway then your lights would potentially be dimmer though right until you stopped or you're just saying like just to fill that a separate battery system up yeah not yeah. a bad idea i wonder if they do do that to some uh degree um so yeah anyway they uh the regen captures 80 to 90% of the energy and then it spends 10 to 20% to get the bike or car back up to speed. So overall efficiency, 70%, uh, 60 to 70%, which is pretty good. Um, overall car efficiency, um, zero because it doesn't give you any energy back. You lose all your kinetic energy when you stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting. The overall captures, um, you know, like we said, uh, not not too shabby, but then effectiveness is uh, is the next thing because efficiency was only half the picture. Effectiveness is the next half, and some cars don't effectively capture that much. Some of them don't have a uh, depending on your driving conditions. Even that same car that could get that efficiency might not have um, that effectiveness because you might be driving uphill a lot, so you're stopping or slowing down and you're getting a little bit of energy, but then it's taken a lot more to put you uphill. You know what I'm saying? So depending on how you drive, where you're driving, are you going through a lot of turns where you are braking and then starting again, braking and starting. So you're, it's basically a wash. So the effectiveness and the efficiency is two different things. Um, and what I've read, I've heard the, um, Cleveland Moto guys talking about their zeros and riding and effectively using, 
um, regenerative braking every single time because they don't have to come to pen. They're they're like going through turns and stuff. So the regen and it offer there is resistance there, like it, like engine braking. So does the zero the zero has the regenerative? I, the new one does, I think. The new okay. one does, I think, and I think some of the older ones might have had. You know, that's one thing. So on I wonder, the, is that helping in reduction of the battery size then because of that or no? Is it not? Like, I would say that enough? the overall size of the battery in an electric motorcycle is dictated by the size of a motorcycle. And so, but the fact that you could have regenerative on it would be uh, pretty amazing. And that's the one thing about riding an electric. The first time I ever rode one uh, was a Brammo Inertia. And uh, when you, that one didn't have regen braking. Mm-hmm. But I think later versions did. You would twist the throttle forward and it would kind of like, it was like engine braking because that was the one that on the on that bike as soon as you get Twist off the, it forward, what do you mean? Yeah. Like that would be the brake? Well, that would be the regen brake. Okay. And so, yeah, I'll get to that in a sec. Um, yeah, like you, when you were going and you let off the throttle, there's no engine braking on an electric. So that's one of the things I've heard is pretty hard to get used to. I didn't mm-hmm. notice it. Well, I did notice it a little bit when Wiggs and I went down and tested the uh, the SR. We tested the, no, the FXS down in Hollywood Electrics. That's the uh, Zero FX Supermoto. And we were riding around, and yeah, when you're going into a corner or you're coming up to a stoplight, because you know it was basically in town, it was just a big square or a big rectangle around, you know, Hollywood. So it was kind of boring, but you didn't really get to like lean into the turns and feel it. But even coming up to a stop sign, when you let off the throttle, there's no engine braking; mm-hmm. it's just coasting at that mm-hmm. point. And so you squeeze it, right? You got to squeeze the brake. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is no no uh, engine braking and no slowing down. But I've, I've heard, and I'm not 100% sure if I'm wrong on the zeros because that's one thing I have forgot to ask. That's a very important uh, detail to miss. But I, I think you roll forward the throttle is what I've heard, and it activates regen, which is the wheel now, uh, whatever the drive, because see, they're, they are drive, chain drive. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a car because this is how it works on a car. You got the motor driving it, an electric motor going to each wheel, mm-hmm. right? There's no like shaft drivetrain. It's an electric motor out there on each wheel. And when you let off the gas, it starts braking. So the new Nissan Leaf, I think, actually has, I forget what they call it, the smart pedal or something. You push down, it's like a golf cart. Mm. You push down and you start going. And then you let off and you start slowing down. And you let all the way off and you stop. Mm. There's only one pedal. It would take me forever to get used to that because my car has three pedals. (laughs) And going from three to one, I'm sure I would make a mistake and drive off a cliff. But that's what we're coming to is this point where it's all regen braking. And what, what happens during regenerative braking, like the, the physics of how it works, is that when as soon as you let off the throttle or take your foot off the gas pedal or ease up on it, I'm assuming, like 5%, it'll start regen braking 5%. That's what I'm guessing. The, it's uh, relative to whatever you let off. It, uh, I was reading this thing that showed this graph of a, of a regular car. You're driving your... Let's see, what's a very common car? You're driving your Toyota Camry or your Honda uh, uh, Civic or S, uh, Accord down the street, and it's not electric. Um, you come into a stop sign or, inter- or traffic light, right? You have, let's say you're doing the, the speed limit like you should, and you're not popping wheelies in a front-wheel drive car like Jay would be doing, <laughs> and you're like, I need 120 feet to stop. Mm-hmm. You start putting the brakes on at 120 feet out. Now you might not jam them on at 120 feet out, but you start applying them and gradually, or you might stab it and then like lift whatever, however you, whatever your style is, 
uh, or even if it's steady pressure until the car keeps slowing and eventually stops, 120 feet is how long you're losing energy. All that kinetic energy is getting lost through heat out to the environment. Well, it was showing the same car with regenerative braking. They just let off the pedal and the car starts slowing down. Like engine braking, but a little, little bit more resistant. And what it is is the electric motors are resisting now. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that the kinetic energy and the heavier your car – this was something that was interesting that I read. The heavier your car, the more kinetic energy, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, and the faster you're going – like if, you're, if your car is like two times kinetic energy, if you're going fast – now you have four times kinetic energy. Right. So basically the more kinetic energy, the more energy you're going to get back. Thing is, you're going 80 miles an hour. It's not going to take you 120 feet to stop, mm-hmm. especially with regen braking because regen is almost like engine braking. Sounds like in certain models it's a little bit – that's where the effectiveness comes in because some cars don't effectively brake. Uh, even though the efficiency might be the same, they don't effectively brake the same as others. That Nissan Leaf is designed so that when you take your foot off, it's like – pushing the other foot down on the brake, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that one pedal is designed to be to- full brakes when it foots off of it. So, so you, what if you need more additional braking power? I mean, if you take your foot off, you're slamming on the brakes. Once you're slamming on the brakes, where do you get more brakes from? You know what I'm saying? Like you don't. Okay. And that's where ABS comes in. Maybe we'll talk about that on this challenge. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so once your foot's off, it's basically like slamming on the brakes. If your foot's 90% off, it's like it's like giving 90% brakes, you know? So it's, it's, it's weird, right? I mean, it's, it's hard for me to even wrap my head around using one pedal. Cause when you, when I think of stopping, I think of smashing that. Right. So, so I guess it has to be set up. It has to be calibrated so that when you lift completely off that, that would be, yeah. Um, that would equate to maximum braking. Yeah. And cars are so full of sensors and stuff. I'm sure it's doing the math. The cars do the math for you nowadays. The, not your, not your, uh, yeah. So foot. I imagine if you take your foot off, then the motor's like, okay, completely cut yeah. all movement. Regen, and if your foot's all the way up, regen and uh, and use the uh, auxiliary caliper brakes. So this is the, the, the car taking 120 feet to stop with regular brakes. You're losing all that kinetic energy. The car, in the example that I saw that was showing regen, 115 feet of that was regenerative braking and the car is gradually slowing down because it's it's like I'm saying it's not just like engine braking it's like engine braking and downshifting at the same time with never using the brake like you can't uh, go faster right it's not going faster it's not coasting it's mm-hmm. using engine braking so if you have a manual or an automatic and you take your foot off of the gas it, it'll downshift manuals maybe or automatics not as good as a manual but i can damn near bring my car to a stop just using the transmission mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like yeah. not in 120 feet depending on what speed i'm doing but i can do it um and that's what regen braking on electric does it brings you down eventually and for panic stops it won't work because obviously engine braking won't, doesn't work in panic stops either but eventually you're going to need to apply real brakes. And so uh, even though you're 60 to 70% efficient, it's not 60 to 70% effective because you're eventually going to need to stomp on the real brake. Right, right, right. And there are calipers that grab in. And I've seen some electric calipers, no hydraulics. Like, so does that that system activate or do you have to no, activate like it with on, a button? On some what? cars that have a... You know, like a Tesla has, it's just like an automatic. It has a gas and a brake. Okay. And so you're pressing the gas to go. You take your foot off the gas and it really starts to engine brake hard because that's the electric motors resisting turning. And as they're resisting, your kinetic energy is actually putting energy back into that and it's going straight to the battery or like a holding 
battery cell, whatever, you know, alternator that's turning it back in, whatever, however it gets back into there, it's literally trying to, the electric motors, um, a good example is like my, uh, I have a, uh, grinding wheel. Mm-hmm. I turn that thing on. It spins like a mofo at like 15,000 RPM. I turn it off. It still spins for 15,000 RPM right. forever. Yeah. But I have a, what do I have? I have an, oh, like a saw, like my jig, little jigsaw. Mm-hmm. As soon as I let go of that button, it stops, right? It doesn't keep going, jig, 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 right. jig, 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 until it's dead. Or, you know, same with my uh, other saw that I have, like most of my saws. And I have another tool that I just can't think of. What do I have that does that? As soon as I let it go, it stops. It's mm-hmm. like a little grinder wheel or something, like a little flap wheel. And as soon as you let it go, it, it stops. And it's because the, as soon as it doesn't have power, it, doesn't spin anymore it's mm-hmm. not like it's on bearings and it's not like yeah. it's it, not using momentum yeah it's not using momentum and it's not like this grinder that is made to power it probably has a um like a one-way clutch or something and it just like goes and then as soon as the power's off it doesn't say hey mm. the motor doesn't say hey the power's off the motor's just like not supplying power and the thing's still spinning yeah. you know it'll spin for like 20 minutes so the regens are like the little motors that stop. They're like my saw. As soon as you let it go, it stops. It doesn't keep trying to saw until it runs out of momentum. Right. So like you said, it, it, then it has some sort of like clutch mechanism, right? That, um, that would have to kick in to grab Well, it. this is the cool thing about electric motors is that uh, if you hook an electric motor, usually, I'm not going to say this because I'm not an electric motor nerd, but you hook an electric motor up and it'll go forward. You swap the things and it'll go backwards. So uh, if you have an electric motor... And um, it doesn't have to have a clutch on it. You're just reversing the polarity or reversing the signal to it, and it stops and goes backwards the other way now. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, like a drill bit. A drill bit doesn't have, I mean, a drill doesn't have a um, clutch on it, mm-hmm. but it, it drives one way when you have the button flipped to tighten. And when you flip it to untighten, it'll, it'll stop and flip, start going the other way immediately, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how electric motors work. You just switch the polarity, I think, and it turns the rotation of them. So when you let off and there's no more power going, this these little electric motors kind of stop or resist at least, and you get energy coming back into your motor. And that's the basics of how regen works. Um, the cool things about regen is that if you're going downhill, the more you're using your brakes, the more you're actually filling up on energy mm-hmm. because it's resisting. And so how would this benefit, like as far as motorcycles? I think maybe something that would be well, hybrid, this is, right? Yeah. Well, this is the crazy thing is that Phil from Cleveland Moto said he, I believe he said he rode a zero, and I swear it was one of the new SRFs. Maybe when he was out here test riding them, they took him down to San Diego and went through the back country. I don't think they went to Palomar, but they went out to like Alpine or something like mm. that. And Julian, have you ever been down there? Mm-mm. Yeah, it's it's beautiful and it's twisty and like. There's lots of ups and then there's lots of downs. And on the downs, they were on the brakes most of the time, or at least the regen. Oh yeah, I know, I know the area you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, like, and so and then there's and up. and depending on where they started, there's part of the highway that's just like downhill the whole way. And if you're not on the gas or you're like on the gas part of the way, you're regening the whole way down the hill, mm. right? So you're just getting energy back. And he, mm. I think he said that they would have dried had they been on full power the whole time ripping those, because those, it's so fun to ride out there. Um, had they been ripping it the whole time, they would have been like uh, like 5% or something. Mm. But the fact that they could regen down the hills and mm. stuff and, okay. and, uh, 
And then you, like I said, you only activate the actual brakes when you're in like a need to stop situation. Otherwise, unless you're on the gas, you're regening or something like that. They're getting net energy back and they still, they ended it with like 10 or 15% rather than like one or five, you know what I'm saying? So it was kind of cool. And like the, uh, (laughs) I was just listening to this thing the other day about how so many capitals like London and Paris and um, like just capitals of um, countries around the world and states like England, <laughs> states, <laughs> states like Romania and uh, provinces like uh, Liberia and France. No, all these places um, – and it's funny because even India is getting on board and now that China is like their neighbor and China's like, we're going all electric in one year because mm-hmm. we say we have to everybody's jumping on the electric bandwagon for the future and uh, to keep walruses from falling off cliffs. <laughs> right? <laughs> Have you seen Save that the shit? whales. No, what happened? <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, I'll tell you. I don't want to <laughs> dive down a cliff uh, too bad. But um, but yeah, like basically to get on board with like the green movement, everybody's going electric. So I'm like, wow, all this stuff that I'm just learning to be a nerd on today's episode is not only does it exist on most vehicles, but it's I'm going to be riding a vehicle probably with this stuff on it in like, I don't know, 10, 20 years. My, whatever my next uh, brand new bike is, it's probably going to be Yeah, anything electric. to improve the efficiency of, of these transportation systems is yeah. very helpful. And, you know, I have to a shout out to uh, one of our list, one of the people on our Facebook page, Zach. He's always sending me some cool articles. And he sent me the story of uh, Chui Hanui, I believe her name is. And I heard her on Adventure Rider Radio like a couple of years ago now. She rode a zero around the country. No, around the world. She rode a zero around the world. Blah, blah, blah. Me and Jay went ahead and blabbed. A lot more and uh, did a lot more uh, rabbit holing <laughs> and gopher holing and everything that we do great here on Creative Writing Podcast. But I'm going to say that uh, we'll get, we're going to take a quick break here in a minute. And I think Jay brought the heat. I think she described the difference between radial and axial brakes way better than I rambled on about regenerative braking. Um, if you want to check it out, I did some research actually, you know, based on what we were talking about. The uh, as a example, YZF R6 has radial brakes um, all the, from the master cylinder down to the caliper, both radial. The CBR 650R has axial master cylinder and radial uh, brakes. I think I had mentioned that. I think I mentioned the CB650R, but even the CBR650R is the same. Um, however, the CBR600RR has radial master cylinder and radial calipers. If you want to check your bike, just look at the master cylinder. When you squeeze the lever, I guess you wouldn't know this unless you looked inside of it, but uh, most of the ones that have like a little cup or even the reservoir sitting above the master cylinder, uh, it is um, radial. And you'll notice because it's it's in line, you're squeezing it against the bar uh, rather than when you squeeze it, the lever, um, I don't know. It, it, Jay described it. You know, your piston is, if it's axial, it's parallel to the bar. And if it's radial, your master cylinder points out perpendicular away from your bar. So you'll, you'll know, you'll know the difference and let us know. Do you feel the difference? Do you really, does it really make a difference when you uh, are braking? And then 
I've seen all sorts of mixtures of axial and radial uh, master cylinders and calipers. That's a great thing about them. Uh, as far as regen braking, I'm an idiot. I don't really know how it works except for <laughs> I tried to win a challenge with it. And all I know is that there's varying degrees. The Vectric scooter is the one I was thinking of where you roll forward on the throttle. I went on some electric motorbike forums and saw that some people are actually making their own systems with little switches and little uh, slides and, and rheostat sort of things. That's the cool thing about electric is as long as you can do wires in and wires out, I guess you can do anything with it. But they're making their own regenerative braking um, DIY and maybe there's aftermarket switches for electric stuff. Just like there's really cool aftermarket uh, stuff for radial and axial uh, master cylinders and brake calipers. Well, that's our break challenge for this week. And uh, we're going to come back next week with some more stuff. And right now, Jay and I are going to get back to the show. We were, we were blabbing. We went down rabbit holes, talked all about, devolved into uh, all sorts of crazy conversation. Let's get back to the show, bro. And I believe that's the end of our break challenge. And I feel like Jay probably won that one. So you guys <laughs> oh. let us know. You guys decide. Let us know. She spoke with her best. Who did I say? Pete Bolton. John Bingham. She spoke with her best British, British South African, Scottish, Scottish yeah, South Irish accent. Kiwi hybrid. Yeah. So she tried and uh, she survived. And I think she brought the heat tonight on the radial versus axial calipers. Um, let's take a quick break and come back with some more blabber. This is the Blabbercast. Hey, everybody. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Hey, listen, this is Junk. And remember, this is your favorite motorcycling podcast from the L.A. area. <laughs> Maybe not in the world. But we are teaming up with one of the favorite motorcycle podcasts of Americans and non-Americans and even some space aliens. Uh, that is the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast from Recycle Garage up in Santa Cruz. Remember, Law Tigers has given us tickets to the Sacramento Mile, which is happening May 18th at the Sacramento Mile. And uh, you know where the Sacramento Mile is? You go to Sacramento, you find a mile, and there's the race. <laughs> I don't know if it's round or straight. All I know is this is Sacramento Mile. But listen up. Uh, the catchphrase, you heard it earlier. I just want to remind you. My half is Chew Big Red. Now, head over to Motorcycle Mis Motorcycles and Misfits Podcast on Monday to get the second half of this catchphrase. Tell Liza, thank you so much for helping me win some tickets to the Sacramento Mile. I really wanted to go. And uh, Junk's uh, holding them hostage until I get the second half of this catchphrase. And then email creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com when you know the full phrase. We've already got quite a few entrants and uh, your chances of winning are really good. So uh, take this opportunity to head over there right now. And uh, thank you, Law Tigers, America's motorcycle lawyers. Hey, creative writing listeners, this is Moto G. Pete from the NoCo Moto Podcast, the best motorcycle podcast that you've never heard. Why haven't you heard of us? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think the Clawbin Pickle Corporation have been paying iTunes to repress any other motorcycle pickle related content. And like our theme song barely even mentions pickles, but whatever. Just give us a listen. 
years, no pickle has been more trusted by motorcycle champions everywhere than Clawman Pickles. You want to win your race? Put a Clawman Pickle in your face. Clawman's guaranteed. in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clubbers, the only pickle for motorcyclists. <laughs> yeah. And um yeah, another thing is like the I was up there on my bike one time and came around like a blind corner. I used to love riding up there because it's not knee down twisties because it's through a little neighborhood, mm-hmm. but it's like a rurally looking neighborhood. And I came around the corner and God, there was like four or five mule deer just standing right in the middle of the street. And, you know, I was on Spamla. Good thing I wasn't on anything faster. <laughs> I probably would have had a deer hat and a deer coat, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I had just enough time to see them and like stand up and stop. And they just like boing jumped over this like four foot fence like it was nothing and yeah. shoot down. The creepiest time was when I was riding my mountain bike up on the hill, and I'm riding up this. I was almost dead anyway. I was like gagging. This is so steep this hill, mm. and I get up there and there's a duh, bloody carcass, you know. Oh, damn. And it was fresh, like mm-hmm. it was wet still. And I was like, oh my god. And I passed it, and like some people that were had gone up and were like, "Yeah, like that just happened." And like, what somebody, uh, what like a mountain, mountain lion? lion. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And that same hill, uh, when I first moved here, uh, before we had kids, I guess it was, or maybe it was right when I first we first had my daughter. So it's like eight years ago, nine years mm-hmm. ago. Um, we I went mountain biking, and I had this creepy feeling, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I was like, man, I feel like I'm being watched. And I went and I looked up the, there was a little blog for that neighborhood. And they're like, yeah, today at such and like two o'clock, there was a mountain lion and they took a picture of, off their porch. And it was like, it was facing the horse trails. And that's right where I was riding up was mm. the horse trails. And I always wanted to take Spamala up there and just rip it. Cause you can kind of get out. Uh, there's a place where you can sneak a skinny little bike through like Spamla mm-hmm. and get up and ride and nobody would be able to catch me before I got to the road and came back down on the cement. Yeah. And I was just like, that'd be so much fun. And then I was like, that would be terrifying to be, <laughs> cause like get stuck out there with street tires and then yeah. like have a mountain lion be like, dude, that guy's not moving. Like, yeah. I'm going to go take yeah. a taste. That would be a little but, bit sketch. Yeah. Um, speaking of a little bit sketch, sorry to talk about our our deer and uh wildlife stories here in la um i'm sure you guys have them all yeah, over they're probably like oh geez well it's springtime right now so i'm just thinking there's got to be a lot of wildlife on the roads in uh minnetonka and mm-hmm. what's another city in chaitucky chaitucky is that a city <laughs> thank you uh yeah no there's there's probably lots of wildlife just just like in the fall the spring is just just as bad but um because they're waking up and they want to ride their motorcycles too and i'll never forget the first time in arkansas when i saw uh, an armadillo take out a car um oh, damn. yeah by getting ran over by it and then having it fly up into the windshield of the car Holy behind it. Shit. <laughs> How big was it? Uh, pretty big, like football size, you know. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, they're not like huge. Armadillos aren't like wombats, but yeah. they're pretty. Was it just because the person freaked out when they hit it or what? No, they're huge. Like armadillos are hard. Like I remember my neighbor kicked one when I was a little kid 
they're all over in Arkansas where I lived. And um, my neighbor went out and kicked one and broke his foot. And that's what he gets for kicking an armadillo. <laughs> but they're, my dad calls them hillbilly speed bumps because you, right. you hit them and like you, you know, yeah. you go in the air. But um, no, the one I saw was riding a, a Harley Davidson though. And he was just a dick because he knew like, you know, I'm an, I'm an armadillo, and uh, if I fall <laughs> off, I won't get hurt. So he's totally riding like an asshole. I just yeah. I hate animals like in the no springtime. Helmet, yeah, just full leathers. Animals in the springtime don't give a shit. So <laughs> whether they're riding motorcycles or getting hit by them, it's just it pissed me off. But um, I there's something exciting that has happened in the creative writing studios. Can I mention? Mm, do tell. Some, one of us got a new bike. Oh yeah. And it wasn't me. Yes. Can I can I tell? Yeah. <laughs> you all do tell and I'm like, really? Cuz it wasn't me. <laughs> you tell. I was like, I'm like genuinely shocked and confused. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yeah. I did. I we have a new pony in the stable. Uh, so we have a grand total of 4. Well, it's technically not in the garage yet. Uh, it's still needs to be picked up but i had a friend a buddy who was selling his bike and he was like uh talking to me and he was like yeah if you know anybody who's looking to buy a uh, triumph tiger you know let me know because i have i have it on craigslist You're like, and i was like I just might know and then i was like hmm because he was like no one is has been buying it so generally that's like a sign that something is going on. But then yeah. I was like, at the same time, I was like, I love projects. Your, your bike's married and you're trying to get it into a relationship. <laughs> that's what's going on. It's funny that I say I like projects, yet I still have the Harley in the garage in pieces and I still haven't finished that project. But that's a different story. We're not going to go down that tangent. I thought you meant where you like to live. <laughs> that's a big project too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and more than one way. But um, so he told me that and I was like, immediately I was like, because uh, actually, and I have been talking about getting an ADV bike for at least the last year. We've just been talking about it. We've been like, kind. we made like a list of different bikes that would work for us. Just because of our size, we have, there's a lot of elements that we have to consider because, you know, we're short in stature. So, And you guys are taller than me. Imagine how I feel. <laughs> so there, I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> like, uh, confident as far as i'm not gonna let a bigger bike intimidate me just because yeah. after being on the banana and having a higher seat and like just learning how to acclimate to it it really built my confidence to a much higher level so i kind of approach bikes differently now because before um i was kind of resigned almost in a sad way to like oh i can only ride harleys yeah 883 lows yeah exactly or, uh, low cruiser style like i'm never gonna like be on a fast yeah. gigs or you know <laughs> whatever harley has that like 21 inch seat height like the they, didn't they the have like a soft like tail low? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sl- it's funny because every time I would go to a Harley dealer, they'd always be like, oh, wait, we have the bike just for you. And they'd always take me over to the soft tails. And I'm just like, I don't want a fucking soft tail. Those motherfuckers are so wide. Yeah, like, yeah, they're I, low, yeah. but they're wide as fuck. And so I, yeah, anyways. Um, so, so the banana got your confidence up, which is yeah, kind of nice. No, yeah, the banana. And, you know, I, I really cannot – I want to give a shout-out to my friend Sonia because meeting her and, like, her and her daughter, we met them at Babes Ride Out, and we became instant friends. Like, it was incredible just – they were the first people to, to stop by the um, Lucky Will's booth for the maintenance booth that we were, like, the stand-in manning yeah. it, you know? I was going to say you guys were – 
womaning, womaning, it, womaning, personing it. it, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were at the we were holding down the fort at the Lucky Wheels. It was like a DIY setup, so you could bring your bike through, and like if you lost a bolt or your seat was loose or it wasn't starting, <laughs> so you you took your Harley there and just like stole <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, pretty much. Right? <laughs> oh man, I jump started so many bikes there. I can't, yeah, I don't want to go down that story. <laughs> but anyways. Another time, another no, time. No, but it was funny because her friend, um, Zegaline from who's also been on the Misfits pod, um, her kickstand was having Dog. issues. But they all, uh, Sonia and her daughter were there. And so we got to talking and we just immediately could tell that they, her and her daughter were just passionate about bikes. And Ashley and I are literally just like, we wake up, first thing we talk about motorcycles. We go to bed, we're talking about motorcycles. When we have downtime. That's like- nice. My wife's like, <laughs> first thing, she looks at right, right in the face lovingly and says, yo, breath stink. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right, I'm out of here. I'll go we, we do that too, but then we're like, okay, just look the other way. When She's you're like, talking your breath stinks. <laughs> but it's almost like it smells like the carb that hasn't been cleaned <laughs> on a- like, uh, that. smells like transmission fluid yeah. that you changed last night <laughs> <laughs> you're like i might have drank some so that's yeah so you, you needless to say you two are moto yeah yeah so yeah we are moto motosexuals 100 percent down to the core but uh so ashley and i have always been looking to make friends in the motorcycle scene who shared that same like diehard passion because we really do just love everything about motorcycles everything and so sonia had her even their brown seats (laughs) (laughs) yes i I do kind of like a few brown seats here and there (laughs) well placed um but she we were talking and then i kind of did my whole routine where i'm like yeah i have my harley but it's hard i want to get other bikes but i'm short and then she had the s her sv uh 650 it was i think a two i think it was brand new it was like a 2018 and she's like, yeah, you should try it out. You would love it. Like, don't be into I was like, well, how tall is it? And she's like, no, you got it. And so she brought it by and uh, I hopped on it and I took it. Actually, <laughs> I feel bad because I did drop it. But um, <laughs> I got on it and I immediately was just like that. Feel- it was just instantaneous, just like a, a whole new galaxy epiphany like my mind was blown just it something clicked in me and it changed and i was like i don't have to be stuck with harleys like there's other bikes that i can ride i just need to like adjust how i approach the bike and and it doesn't have to just be the honda rebel 500 which is also very (laughs) low or the tu2 not tu the tw200 or the van van like all these little Monkey no, bikes, groms. I want like, something that's got yeah. power. I want something that goes fast. Um, I like to be a hooligan, so I like something that I can try to stay out of trouble on. And your SV <laughs> is still a twin, so you are still... Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's still a twin, so... Um, nice and skinny. But so once I got on that bike and I was like, okay, I need this bike. And then just shortly after, I got the SV, that the banana that I have now, but just... Um, now when I go to dealers and stuff, I'll see we'll see Tigers, we'll see like the Africa twin, um, we'll see the BMW GSs, and I you know I just hop right on yeah. and it's it looks funny because I <laughs> I'm pretty short and like I have to one leg it I cannot get both yeah. feet down, but um, I just 
It's just how you approach the bike. It's how you sit on it. Yeah. It's having a different method. And I think it's funny because a lot of taller people, I feel like maybe they take it for granted that they have that built-in luxury. But I often say, and I say this, uh, I think uh, Jocelyn Snow might have said this also, or, or somebody else who's a writer, is that short writers are generally better writers. Because you get you maybe a situation with gravel that if you had an extra three or four inches, you could put your whole foot flat foot yeah. down or you know feel more confident that way. Well, because I don't have that luxury, I have to think, what the fuck am I gonna do if I get <laughs> yeah. onto an incline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had that situation happen where I was on an incline, I could not reach the ground. If I tried to go down with my leg, I would topple over. And so I literally am doing all of these calculations. Like when I'm riding daily, I'm constantly doing calculations because especially in LA where we have these basically like giant divots on some, like we have potholes and then we have these divots and humps that yeah. are right in the middle when you're, when I'm lane splitting. Yeah. I was so gonna I had say the, it's like the, it's like this asphalt decides it wants to bubble up or exactly. something. I don't even know. Well, what, what happens what, is down where I work off this, there's a road called Santa Fe and there's train tracks and there's a lot of um, freight that gets transported. And so what happens is you have these big ass right. trains riding through with all of this asphalt that's not designed to deal yep. with the vibration. Yep. And so it just starts to like bubble up yeah. essentially, you know, like when <laughs> you have regular train tracks that are out in r- rural areas, you have, I, I don't remember the technical word, but you have like the, the gravel stuff. Yeah. Like the ballast or something. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's meant to ad- absorb the vibration. Yeah. Well, you don't have that in the city. No, it's straight. It's like straight on the street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally straight on the streets. So there was one time when it was raining. Straight on the streets. The new <laughs> show about creative writing <laughs> but it was raining and so the street was flooded about three to six inches in some parts and so i couldn't tell where these humps were and so i came up onto one as i was splitting between cars and you know there i went to put my foot down and there was nothing to no, touch no, down yeah on. there was six extra inches of yeah, air there so i you know uh, yeah. luckily i was able to slide my lit my hips down a little bit further to the right so that i could touch down yeah but because i'm always anticipating that i didn't freak out you know like somebody else who maybe is taller because that's not something that they think about generally because they're more comfortable on the bike yeah in in a way they i've seen and i've seen it i've seen guys do that where they will freak out in a situation where they didn't anticipate yeah you know a lot of times too like the uh, boulevard m109 is a low bike, but it's also really the seat is wide. It's kind of like one of those saddle tractor style seats. And I sat on that thing and I could barely flat foot that because mm-hmm. my feet had to, I mean, it's a twin, so it's not so wide like a four cylinder or something mm-hmm. like that, but my feet had to go the way the seat was. It was just for like a big ass, you know, and my feet had like, well, my hips had to spread out over that and then down over the I don't know, side covers it's or like whatever the hell and out, and out past. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Basically, because then you got the footboards, which is another reason I kind of hate footboards. Yeah. You got to, you can't just put your foot in front or back. Like you can't a peg. You got to put it out over the right. footboard. And, and I, I could barely shin. flat foot the one Oh nine R because my feet had to go like 18 feet out to the side before they went down. I'm not, I'm not an alligator, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> my, my feet aren't, uh, yeah, you know, it's weird. My, That's my, why I kind of like, 
that's why I like the Sportster yeah. as far as the Harley family because that's the, the other thing bikes about bikes are way twins, too wide. Period. Yeah. And that's the thing about the box, the BMW boxers. I mean, they're not they're wide. I guess not right under your feet. But I I remember first time I ever climbed on a box on a GS. I literally climbed on it. It was on the center stand. It, it was mm-hmm. like a GSA, so it had all the you know the um, the adventure model that has the panniers and it has the big old crash bar and the fog lights and the um, hand guards. It was just it looked wide, right? And I got on the thing. And I'm like, dude, I stepped up onto it. Yep. Because yeah. <laughs> it had those, it also had those crazy like ADV cage pegs, like a quad almost, you know, mm-hmm. like the huge footrest. And I was like, remember stepping into that thing and I felt like I was stepping up into a diesel truck because those yeah. diesels that have like those great steps, you know, at least back in the old days, they used to have like metal great three mm-hmm. steps to get up into the cab of a diesel. I felt like, I was like, dude, I'm stepping onto this thing to get into the seat. Yeah. I might as well be riding a horse. No way I could flat foot that thing. Yeah. Even on the center stand, like my feet dangled. Well, that's the funny thing. Off the ground. Back to the Tiger. So it's a 2007 Triumph Tiger 1050. I was going to say, did you say what it was? No, when you I said didn't. Triumph, I'm wondering if people are thinking, yeah, no, it's why a, is she sketching about a Bonneville? Those are skinny. <laughs> those are low, you know? No, it's a 2007 Triumph Tiger 1050. And uh, yeah, so the funny thing is, when I got to my buddy's house, I it was on the center stand. And so, um, when I, I climbed onto the bike and yeah, so when I was straddling it, I could not even touch my tippy toes to it. But the thing is, so my, he was like, so do you want me here? Let me hold the bike and we can pull. I have to ask you an honest question. Uh, was I only coming in your left ear earlier? I don't know. Cause I can't hear out of like, okay. <laughs> my right ear very well. It's clogged with earwax. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, Good to know, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, you had to climb up on that thing. You sent me a picture yes. and you did, you looked, you said I'm a. Oh. I look like a one legged midget. Or That's something what I said. Like and that. I said yeah. a very pissed off one legged midget. <laughs> no, so when I was straddling it, um, you know, I, I couldn't touch my feet, my tiptoes down. And so my buddy was like, oh, well, here, let me help you get it off the center. Stand. I was like, no. I have to get it down myself. Yep. Like if I'm going to yep. buy this bike, I need to do this myself. And so it was, I wish I had it on video. So what I did was I basically was like very violently humping the bike <laughs> to forward to like get it to go down. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Was I actually there watching like, oh, yeah, yeah. I just told them, I was like, just spot me, you know, to the side so I don't topple over yeah once this thing happen. falls off of the but, center yeah, stand so it took me about 10 or 15 tries and i was like shifting all the way back and then just going poof and yeah. just like hitting the tank yeah and um i eventually <laughs> cracked the tank it's a plastic <laughs> tank right i might have cracked my hip but um <laughs> <laughs> but i got it off and I got it down. And, and then I, you had a cigarette. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and a shot of whiskey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, that um, funny thing. I know what you're talking about because my Magna was the same way. V4, so I mean, it wasn't like crazy wide out the side, but I couldn't flat foot it for shit. And I would put it on the center stand to get gas because he wants to get like three quarters of a tank of gas on the side stand, right? right. So I would always stick it on the center stand. And then I'd get on it and my feet would dangle about four <laughs> inches off the ground. And I would, everyone would be looking at me because I looked like I was riding one of those stupid horses in front of the grocery store, <laughs> like right? Bronco. Yeah, until I could, yeah, basically hump it off the center stand, and then 
It was always a wild ride because you never know if you're going to put your foot down in someone's oil yeah, <laughs> or exactly, what. I know exactly. exactly what you're talking about, about yeah. this reach and what's going to be there when your foot does hit the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because what I did originally was his uh, seat was a little bit loose because I think one of the parts to lock it down in the back, the uh, I forgot what that mechanism is called. Uh, um, that was broken. So I took the seat off. I was like, oh, like if I take the seat off, I could put my feet down like I could tiptoe. Uh, you know what? Run, no seat. Yeah, and let all the air out of the tires. And, uh, <laughs> well, just ride it on the rims. Yeah. <laughs> just put a skateboard under the engine. Uh, and wear platform shoes. There you go. Now you can ride any, any height bike. Um, but yeah, so I got it off. And so, you know, I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, there's going to be, we will have to do some modifications to make it more set to us. It does come with a, it has a lowering plate on it. So it wasn't in the lower position. And I believe the lower position will give us about, from what I read online, 1.5 to 2 inches, which is great because that's really all I need. Um, And what's the lowering plate on it? uh, So it's like like a triangle and then it has like three holes for the bolts, and then there's like one that is about an inch and a half higher. But where does it go? Like, it, what, what is it lower? It's attached to the the suspension underneath yeah. the seat. Yeah. So it lowers the suspension. Yeah. And famously, a lot of the BMW GSs, whether it's from the F seven hundred or now seven fifty, all the way up to the twelve hundreds, usually came with a uh, lowering kit lower chassis they call it i think it was and mm-hmm. yeah it was basically like an offset to lower it for people or you could buy the esa which is the uh i forget the, I, I can't pronounce the german word for it but it's electronic suspension and you mm-hmm. lower you know wee, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then get on and like yeah no, it's great <laughs> it's like airbags great. yeah basically yeah. Yeah, put airbags on your bike. um but doesn't it have like preload settings too that you can mm-hmm. kind of jack down and like yeah. or jack up. There's I guess, definitely to compress like the spring and various bring it down. different settings that can be adjusted. Um, the biggest one is that plate, I think. Is the like, plate's going to help, yeah. and then also we're going to either fabricate our own or if we can find one, a narrower seat. It's not extraordinarily wide, but it is wide enough where it it could be. If it was narrow, it would just be more yep. comfortable ride. Yeah. Um, well, and, and speaking to earlier of like bikes that we've both been on that weren't fat because they were, you know, because of the engine was fat or anything, the seats, mm-hmm. like when, if your legs have to go out and they're not going straight down, that can make a big difference. So, yeah. uh, but the bike was a, a really great still cause he was trying to get rid of it. He, it has, it's a fixer upper. Let's just put it that way. It's not ready to ride. But um, Ashley and I love projects. We're DIY, so we we love getting in the garage, getting dirty, and just making it our own. Yeah. So we already made a list of all of the things that we definitely will have to upgrade. Um, It needs new tires. It definitely needs a new chain, needs new brakes, rear sprocket, front sprocket. Um, The the forks were leaking, so we need to um, rebuild the forks. Um, But the engine did turn over, so it starts. Nice. And it sounded great. Um, so I don't think there's anything. How long since he had it going? Because those, uh, the, those are, um, what year is it? 20, 2007. Yeah, so that was probably fuel injected. Yeah, it's fuel injected. Um, 
I think it had been sitting there for, uh, long enough for at least 20 cats to pee on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably some birds to poop on the seat. Well, he had it covered, but okay. the definitely, maybe even more than 20. I'd say more, probably 80 to 90 cats have peed on it. Yeah, you sent me a picture of it. I zoomed in on the chain. And it looked like I could see the crystals, whatever those crystals that are in cat pee, they were all over the chain, looked like it had been hit by a stripper. Oh, uh, yeah. Like yeah. a stripper no, fell we on were, it. When we were inspecting the chain, we were like, oh, what is this? And then we were like sniffing it. I put like the finger, my finger right on, under my nose. I think Ashley might have even tasted it. Yeah. And then we were like, wait a minute. Dude, this is cat pee. That's cat <laughs> that's cat pee. Like but, 90 uh, cat peas. Oh, yeah. And so then when we fired it up and, you know, it started the cat getting Cat pee heat. shot out of it? No. just Let's just say that heated cat piss yeah. is the most unpleasant smell. Yeah. yeah Don't you know not... the uh, Bulgarian military uses it <laughs> in, uh, as an extraction device? Yeah. Yeah. Too many it, pheromones were going on yeah. in there. Um, well, and there's a certain amount of... Uh, Ammonia in cat pee that oh, just it yeah. never it never comes out like once it's on there even out of metal so it's probably actually let me think cat pee is like ninety eight percent ammonia has a little bit of chloride yeah you could probably etch it probably etched the uh, <laughs> etch the pipe you're never gonna yeah you might as yeah. well replace the pipe in the chain no the the chain was definitely done for it was kind of bound up in certain spots and I was kind of bummed out because I did want to go on a test ride. But did you, you did a test startup? I, I did you at least a do a test, kick it in gear, and rock it back and Again, forth? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So it does engage because he said that um, he was having a few issues with the clutch from first out, uh, getting into first from neutral. But I think the clutch just needs to be adjusted. Uh, it didn't seem like there was anything um, when I clicked it over up and down. It didn't yeah. seem like an issue. Um, so, yeah, I'm super excited. It comes with, like, uh, hard cases nice. on the side, a tail case. Uh, it's got a bunch of farkles on the front, USB uh, ports. It's got upgraded lights. So it's got a lot of cool amenities. It just needs some love. Cause yeah, it's, and it's, Tigers are the OG, one of the OG ADV bikes that, uh, like, really, um, I don't know, I want to say – capable but like they're kind of quiet we talked to spencer hill from the Mm -hmm. gear dude he exclusively rides uh triumphs and the tiger has always been like the unsung hero of the i mean ktm now that they're getting into adv bikes and not just like motocross bikes like they used to be they're starting to gain a reputation but uh even before bmw i think tiger you know triumph had a pretty good um Never, never dazzled anybody, and it probably has like some shortcomings that you'll probably find. But the Tiger has mm-hmm. always been uh, a pretty, pretty, I don't know, yeah, from, reputable bike. It's a triple. Yours reading. is a triple, right? Yeah. Ten fifty. What was that? Sound? Oh, that was damn. Let me turn off the power to the sound effects when we're not using them. <laughs> <laughs> that was an email coming um, in. Yeah, it is a triple, and uh, yeah, I want to see if we can make it a little bit louder. They do like. <laughs> It's yeah. got a rare, it's, the, it's called a tiger. I mean, okay. it, come on. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> it's not called an armadillo, yeah. you know what I mean? I do want to say, listen, I, this is, uh, hey, I turned you down. Why are you still crackling? That's, ooh. I don't hear anything of mine. Oh, really? Okay, good. Just the listeners will in the post-production. <laughs> um, so the other day, uh, I don't know what, t- what model it was or any of that, but there was this yellow Ferrari. No, I'm mm. sorry. Yellow Lamborghini mm. kicking it um, at some by some place where I was, 
and I was joking around with them, and we we drag raced. Okay, <laughs> I want to tell you who do you think won, Spamler or Lamborghini? Uh, how long? How, how what's the distance? A foot? It, it, well, <laughs> it was very short. It was probably six less, inches. Yeah. Um, Spamler, did you go six inches? <laughs> can you can you go? Can you drag her six inches? Let me think. It was I don't know less than a football field probably. Mm. So less than 300 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, in drag racing, that's not even an eighth of a mile, right? In drag racing, that's probably uh, what they would call first gear. <laughs> no, I don't know. For the for Lamborghini, it's probably first gear. Yeah, probably probably like uh, 300 feet, let's say. Okay. A, fo- a football field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who do you think won? The Lambo. <laughs> totally, dude. He had me like he had me right away. But guess who was louder? Me or the Lambo? <laughs> the Lambo. No. Really? Dude, the, that thing was so quiet. When it started up even, I was no, like, oh, that, that thing's is quiet. sacrilegious. That's so, I'm offended. I know. I'm triggered. I know. You cannot have a, I just want you a to yellow know. Lambo that's quiet. Well, I'm so offended. It's stuck. And even on I was looking up emissions the other day because emissions, everybody, isn't just the, uh, the smoke coming out the end of your tailpipe, right? It's also noise. And uh, I think I've talked about this before. Maybe we'll yap a little bit about after we get done talking about your tiger. I just want you to know that speed and power doesn't necessarily mean louder. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Lambo no. probably had like, I don't know, 400, 500 horsepower. Yeah, so it's close to what Spamla has, yeah. but it was way quieter. No, I'm just obnoxious, and I like loud, obnoxious <laughs> bikes. I do have to say, uh, the banana sounds great. When you, whenever you come over tonight, I was like, oh, it sounds like Jay's here. Mm-hmm. My wife's like, oh. you can hear it. Come, you can hear it ripping in. It's just that twin. You know, I love the sound of a good twin, and uh, uh, it doesn't always have to be a hog making that obnoxious. Yeah. Well, I, Ashley has uh, straight pipes on hers now oh my and God. it's it's too talk about like there was I never thought that I would find pipes that I found too loud because I'm like I said I like obnoxious sounding bikes but hers are so loud that when we're on the headsets and we click over and we're chatting I literally have to be like okay we have to talk later because <laughs> just the reverb and the vibration yeah. from the sound of her pipes in the microphone into the speaker it's just it gives me a headache. So yeah, the, that was the when I when she t- kicked over her bike the first yeah. time after she got it back with those pipes. I was like, oh yeah, it's you, loud. I love it, but yeah. like, <laughs> there's there's one thing I'll say. Yeah, and so power doesn't necessarily equal loudness. You can't equate. Uh, um, I mean, some of the Harleys, and I'm not going to say like I'm not going to go back and say my think about the electric future is going to be awesome because everything's going to be quiet but i because i do love the sound of cool motors but i do have to say dude my neighbor's got a 2016 road glide mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. yeah i think he's got a 2016 road glide it's like a 110 or whatever it was in 2016 uh doesn't have the 114 yet so maybe it was uh even before that yeah but um long story short well long story short and microphone kicked um it obnoxious is all get out. And I don't think it, I, it might have like a stage one cam or something. I don't know what his has in it, but it might just be stock and yeah. it's just obnoxious. No, I, it was funny a couple of weeks ago when I was coming over here for the pod, 
I was behind this little Rebel 250, and holy Christ, that <laughs> motherfucker was loud. loud. But he was going so slow, and yeah. he was like wide open throttle. Yeah. Like I could see his wrist, and yeah. I was just like, damn. Like, damn, so you got that wrapped so around loud, twice. But yeah. he was just crawling, and I was cracking up because like it was like a cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Because I'm like, you imagine he should be like just blasting forward, and no, he's just like puttering there, but yep. like very loudly yeah. puttering. <laughs> yeah. And here's what happens is like a lot of times, um, uh, there's steady garages, like not too far from me. They're pretty close. And I don't know if that's who I hear riding to work every morning. Cause there's also a Duke three ninety that I see around here a bunch. And there's also an, an R three that lives close by and a dude on a, um, shoot. There's a couple other, there's like a couple other twins, like a, um, Ninja 650, so that's a twin, right? So mm-hmm. there's a couple dudes on twins. I can tell it's a twin when I hear it going by, except for that one. It sounds like a thumper. It's got to be a Grom or something. Mm-hmm. Or, or I'm sorry, the Duke. It's got to be the Duke. But because um, it doesn't quite sound like a Grom. Like Groms still sound, they're on 125. You can kind of tell it's smaller. Mm-hmm. But uh, whatever they are, they are loud. And they don't go down the street that fast because I can't see them because <laughs> the houses are in the way, but I can hear them. Mm-hmm. And their rate of speed, when I hear sport bikes go, shit, by the oh, time yeah. I'm hearing like, them, well, they're basically yeah, gone because yeah. this is a pretty wide open street right here until you get to the, down to the, the stop sign. Um, so, yeah, the, the noise to speed <laughs> ratio is way off. And here's what I think a lot of people do. My buddy did this on this Norton too, which is like a, a twin, you know, straight pipe uh, twin. They, they get big old um, exhausts, mm-hmm. and that messes with your back pressure. Right. And without right. proper back pressure, you don't have uh, – it, Yeah, it actually makes your performance worse. Yeah. 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 You're putting a whole lot of noise out for nothing. Yeah. That no, that's like funny because when I first got my very first bike, the Rebel 250, and I was looking at I was like, oh, I'm going to make it loud. I want to make it sound like a Harley. And um, it was funny because I was finding these like you know guys that were posting on the internet because this was a while ago. Um and they were like just drilling holes through the baffles. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it was just number one makes it sound like shit. Yeah. And number two, it was just like just tanking their performance. Then you go and you listen to like some lawnmower engined uh mini bike or something, and you're like, wow, this is what my bike kind of sounded like. Yeah. Just like a farting valve, you know. Yeah. Blah, 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 oh, blah, man. Blah, blah. Yeah, I know. You, know, you can tell the guys who do that because their bike just sounds so terrible. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing, too, you get behind a stock um, Sportster specifically, but also I'm, I'm guessing maybe even some of the Dynas and stuff like that are the soft tails. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and it kind of sounds like a bubble machine. You can hear yeah. the sound of the valve closing. And the mm-hmm. shock wave of the exhaust coming out after each snapping shot, and it makes this weird sound that you can't. Um, I always thought replicate. it sounded like a like a sewing machine. To well, me. That too, like the blah, 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 blah. but if you listen real close, you can hear this like overtone in the exhaust one, like whoop 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 mm. whoop, whoop whoop, and it sounds like a to me a bubble mm. maker. Mm-hmm. Like it just sounds instead of tomato tomato or potato potato potato. Yeah, it, it, the cam is going potato potato, but. In that little, the last little snap, that last little note, and I might be like super in tune to this because I was a music major for a little bit, but I just hear this like whoop sound. And if you listen real close, you just hear it. And I'm like, these things stock sound like 
bubble machines. No I wonder know. people want to throw they crap at them. They sound so bad, especially but, the newer ones. Yeah, that's the sound of the valve. And if you take all that out, you're just going to get that volume a thousand times. You're going to get no performance because it's just going to be atmospheric pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just going to be pumping that out into atmosphere, and there's going to be no no back pressure or nothing. And my buddy's Norton. For the for the love of God, man, he uh, threw straight pipes on there and probably had pod filters. Mm. Probably didn't rejet it. Mm. And what that does is, and the, and then took off all the carb stuff because even uh, I don't know if it would have had carb stuff on it. I guess, but I'm I'm guessing that it did. Which is like um, on the top of my KZ head that you can see there, mm-hmm. the uh, the reed valves, you know suck air back in so that it doesn't backfire and stuff like that right mm-hmm. and so that it doesn't you get like a little a little bit of air in there to um help burn and and remix with unburned fuel mm-hmm. right and if you don't if you don't have that which is didn't all that unburnt fuel goes into the tailpipe where it right. then gets hot and Explodes. bam yeah. so as soon as we would like be going down the street his thing would just sound like and it's big old cone muffler, not not reverse cone, just cone like megaphone just exhaust. So yeah, and you bangs. he would roll off the throttle, and every little bit of fuel would just be going bam, 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 so loud because they are straight, no baffled megaphone exhaust. Like one of those old Popeye cartoons or something, where like this chitty chitty bang bang, yeah, it's like rattling all over the place. And you know, and that bike was cool, and that bike was fast, but at the same time it definitely even at racetracks you go to and bikes don't sound like that they don't you know they're tuned they're not just like i'm gonna drill the baffles out of everything and put the biggest exhaust and then biggest intake and not do anything to the jets or i'm gonna actually make myself go slower or i love when people do that sort of stuff and then they give it full throttle and it's just like (laughs) because it's like okay i'm good too much of one thing and not a balanced amount of anything. So yeah, I, I don't know. That stuff's rad. Um, getting back, I don't. I don't even know how we got down this avenue, oh, no, but because I, I mentioned throwing off. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting your yeah. getting your tiger loud. I am excited that you do have an ADV bike. Yeah, um, like, and you're going to have one. So so excited. This is like we've been talking about it for so long, and just to have yeah. this opportunity and just kind of like dropped in our laps. It's just, it's kind of like a dream come true because, um, you know, I was getting kind of frustrated with the Harley situation and to finally have like maybe a project that will be successful at the, down the line is like fulfilling, you know, like we're very excited about that. And the thing is, I think the biggest challenge is going to be who gets to write it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the fact that we already started getting, because Ashley was like, well, I'm going to write it first. And I was like, no, honey. We're, I, I said, no, honey, we're both going to write it. I'm going to be in the front. You're going to be on the back. <laughs> and Junkie's going to be on the way back recording us arguing about it the whole way. Oh, my God. So, that, yeah, that's, that's rad. Gonna, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is trying to figure out how are we going to go on road trips because I'm always going to want to be on it yep. and she's going to want to be on it. So You guys are just going to have to ride two bikes. Yeah. And you're going to have to ride one that's pretty good. Yeah. Does she like the has she ridden the banana? She has ridden the banana banana a few times. Does she like it? She well she didn't take it like city street riding. She just did practice. But 
she's not as acclimated to it as as I was. So like when we were looking at the bike, like I got it off the center stand, I got the kickstand up, I got the kickstand down, which was challenging because there's no like uh, on the banana, there's a little shaft that sticks out so yeah. that when it when it's up. You can reach your foot and you can. They're, hit they're that supposed shaft. to be on that one, right? Okay, yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> I was looking at that one. I was like, it doesn't have it. Spamla's been cartwheeled a few times. So. Yeah. So the previous owner for the tiger, he, uh, I guess he he had done something with the. I think that's what he had the lowering plate. He had it on the lower setting. I think he was the shorter guy, and so then my buddy said that the guy had. Uh, cut and welded yeah. the kickstand. Cut so I that think, part yeah, off. So yeah, so I think he cut that part off. But anyways, I was able to get it down, get it up, and then ro- like roll the bike forward and first, and roll it backwards, and one leg it, and get back on, and you know, and everything. And so then when she tried it, it was much more challenging for her because she doesn't have the practice. Like I've been riding the banana for um, a little over six months now daily, and so for me, it's just like I'm second used nature, to it. Yeah. right? And so I know it's going to be harder for her. And she then, has a Bonneville, right? No, it's a bobber. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So hers is like low to the ground. Yeah. She can pr- pretty much flat foot it, and and totally. Even if it wasn't like the stance on an SV versus the stance on a bobber, way different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like your butt. Yeah, the 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 weight is higher in the tiger so that's definitely something that she's going to have to get used to too it's really really substantially higher and um so that's something that as a short person you have to be uh you have to anticipate because you know when you're in a situation with that weight higher up you know you're going to put more stress on your legs as you're trying to salvage yourself from going down you know (laughs) that's gonna suck yeah uh you know, and if you do take it, if you do start adventuring it, that's going to be one thing like standing up on it. You're, it's it's built to be up on and mm-hmm. stood up on and stuff like that. Yeah, it's yeah not- the thing is, is like once like that was kind of the, the epiphany I had is like, OK, once I can get the habit and the method and routine of how to get the bike up and rolling, yeah. once you're on it, it's fine. Yeah. It's- you're, you ever seen that video, that really short guy on the GS yes. that has to jump off it yeah, and like yeah. stand there and then go and roll? I mean, I think that's part of the GS trophy training. They make you start it from standing on the peg and you don't need, it's not like a car where you're shift, you know, you need your foot to do the gas. I mean, it's totally possible to stand on one peg. That's how, when I, that that was also what gave me an advantage over Ash is I started on dirt bikes. And Mm. so those bikes that I was riding were really tall and I Uh, had to like do that whole, like standing on the peg, start it up. And then like my very, uh, my very first bike was a Honda 250. And I mean, it's 250 and it was still to the moon. I mean, it was like, I don't know what how how it compared to the 500, but my buddy who was like a couple years um, older than me as kids, he got a 500 and he had to jump off walls to kickstart mm-hmm. it. And Lord, you know, he was a tall, he was a big boy too, and he was still one leg, you know, mm-hmm. ass out of the seat on that thing. It was like a old CR 500 or whatever, and um, yeah, that thing was a monster. You know, when we were kids, we were like in fourth, fifth grade, and he's riding a big ass CR yeah. 500. And, uh, my, my 250 was when I was like in my twenties and that was still, I was cheeking it, one cheeking it, you know, yeah. like two, it was still dirt bikes are just tall period mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of all the travel and stuff. And, um, nowadays they're getting lower ones like X, you know, road dual sports, I guess like the XT 250 and, um, 
the KLR, KLR is kind of big, big, but, um, they kind of make them because they're for road also. They're not, they don't have to be jacked up because you're not mm-hmm. going to be jumping off crap like you are yeah. dirt bikes. So dude, even 250 dirt bikes can be pretty damn big mm-hmm. and tall. Mm-hmm. So you, and you're on squirrely surface. So yeah. already you did kind of have, uh, a good, um, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's probably better to learn on dirt, uh, than it is yeah i mean it definitely It'll help gave you with a lot of different stuff a lot of confidence as far as like being prepared for something that's unpredictable yeah. and and how to temper your reaction i think that was the biggest thing was the mental aspect of like not freaking out if you feel yeah. your back tire sliding yeah. out, oh yeah yeah, you yeah, know? yeah or if you feel that oh i'm like sliding down a hill <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I've had happen on when I was dirt bike riding. It was like almost like a sheer sided cliff, and just you know being able to like maneuver the bike in whatever or you you stall on a hill. How do you get down? Yeah. Yeah. You got to like back around, do like a rainbow. I've done that also. Yeah. There's a lot of great stuff. And speaking to uh, your triumph when you get it up and running. the Escape from LA Challenge. Now Wiggins, I don't know, he's in Tennessee right now, so uh, I hope he's hearing this. But we're gonna get, we're all three gonna go down and start out in LA proper. And we're gonna stay the night down there on the streets, the wild streets. <laughs> we're gonna end up in the wilderness. Do I have to sign like a liability waiver for this? Because I feel like <laughs> we're all gonna end up with hepatitis and, and some sort of street lice, so it doesn't really matter. But I spend my daily in downtown LA and I know I know uh what the poop looks like on the sidewalk down there oh yeah trust me I do too I've (laughs) stepped over it quite a few times going down there to to eat lunch um yeah listen we're gonna do this and then uh we're gonna see what it's like to leave the wasteland for the hinterland what do you call it yeah I guess the hinterland Escape from LA challenge and we're going to need a dirt bike to do it. And we may invite some listeners along and why am I saying this on the air when I haven't even arranged it yet, but, uh, I do have plans and I do want it to be a listener event and I do want there to be some off-road, uh, shenanigans. So when this goes down, um, when do you suppose you'll have your tiger up like two or three years? When this goes down, <laughs> when this We're goes down in nine months, for the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, we actually's got some um, extra income coming in over the summer for some extra work that she's going to do. I'm working some extra to get be able to make some money for this parts because we're just very motivated, very passionate and like excited about getting this thing up yeah. and running. So we're hoping I, six to eight months. Good. That's a good. And, and that time of year, um, in California is way too hot to ride in the summer. That's why everybody goes to like the desert in the winter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the river in the summer. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be way too hot anyway over the summer to do this, uh, excursion and i don't want to sleep in hobo poop and lice when it's really hot outside anyway so uh winter time would probably be better or early spring next year um that gives us some time to plan and uh tito's i haven't mentioned tito's in such a long time probably since episode 15 but tito's uh topless tomponade taco bar and titty grill no (laughs) tito's topless tomponade taco grill and titty bar is uh taking me back to dance on topless thursdays which is a uh male only topless in the back did you have a special stage name i did (laughs) it wasn't junkie turdman i'll tell you that much but um but yeah so i'm i may 
or may not. I might lose money on that gig, but uh, we'll see. So I might be able to actually afford some dirt tires for Spamla, or I'm looking to get, it's funny that you got that Triumph Tiger, <laughs> because Junkster is looking to get a bike that can take me more places than a racetrack or down the street. <laughs> That's right. I've been also dreaming about getting an ADV bike of sorts. And with that, that's our show. Oh, I, you're just going to have to like dive You got you're not it, dude. give like a which bike specifically? Nope, or? nope. Oh, uh, because who knows? It might be a, it might be a what TW200. A what a tease. It might be a, uh, you know, a Triumph 1293. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> I did want to mention though, we do, we have a... Um, Paul, uh, Bri Viffer, him and his wife just got back from Babes in the Dirt, and he sent me some really, really bitching uh, photos of that. So I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I also want to say, you heard us say it at the beginning of the show, the catchphrase, the phrase that pays. Make sure you head over to Recycle Garage on Monday. For the second half of that, we're giving away some more tickets. And uh, I do want to say thank you to everybody so far who has emailed the show. Thank you again. And uh, thanks again to our patrons. And Jay's looking at me like I'm crazy because we haven't mentioned any of these people yet, but that's what post-production is for. Um, But yeah, and everybody, please, if you want to call us, uh, give us a shout-out. Call us up, 740-563-2858. That's a Google Voice mailbox. Leave us a little message. We'll play it on the show. Uh, Email us, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, check out Slay J's artwork at flying underscore banana on Instagram and anywhere that you get your fine Instagram hashtags, be it, uh, the interwebs, your phone or the bathroom stall, make sure that it's uh, flying underscore banana <laughs> on Instagram. And then as always check out wigs, uh, field underscore initiative underscore knives or wig zero nine on the old Instagrizzle. And, uh, that's our show folks. Um, you got anything cool to say? Anything besides like you're going to be at the Californian tomorrow? I'm going to be at the Californian tomorrow. You're going to be. I'm not, I'm not getting you this week. I'm not getting you. Okay. Well, folks, Jay is caught on much faster than Wiggins did. We'll see you at the Californian tomorrow. And uh, Eliza, have fun at the quail. Peace. Peace, Greece, and uh, say hi to the geese. This is a reminder that uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. Check us out on the Instagram at creative writing podcast at gmail.com. And always, you can call us 740-563-2858. Leave us a message. And thank you so much to our patrons. Uh, You mean the world to me. And we thank you so much for your generous uh, support. And that's how Jay comes to you every week is on the Slacker mic, uh, so named for Old Man Slacker, who uh, whose funding provided that mic just for Jay. Um, so also, I didn't. Uh, I've got the only Derby cars back from the field that we're going to get because by the time you're hearing this, it's Californian time, and so we're going to take those. We're going to race them. We're going to put them in the car show and a Derby car show, uh, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And, um, yeah, if you need to, uh, if you need to go to your breaks, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I lost me. <my, laughs>
<laughs> I lost my paper. Um, I have. What I was going to say is I have a uh, junk pile coming up. Me and Wiggs are going to sit around and talk while I'm going to talk a little bit. And he's going to send in some reports from the road. He has sent me over 40 minutes of uh, unique Wiggins content. And we still have that rant from last week. Yeah, last week's show that we couldn't quite air. It's going to be a patron-only deal for $5 and up patrons. And uh, it's still in the editing bay. So I need to pump that out to you guys. Uh, so check it out. Patrons get a lot of cool stuff. Um, junk Pile, that's going to be for everybody. We got some stuff just to talk about that we don't talk about on the normal show. But yeah, uh, go check them out. And if you're going to be at the Californian this week, uh, we got some stuff that we'll be sharing on Instagram later. But uh, I got a few things in the works. That's all I'm saying. And I dropped a car off for Steady Garage, so I'm excited to see what they bring uh, to the Junkyard Derby. Actually, Junkyard Derby, that's a good... Write that down. All right, everybody. Well, have a safe weekend, and we'll be talking about WIR Top 10 Bikes and another break challenge. If you have anything you'd like to hear, feel free to email us, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com, or hit us up on the social medias and let us know what you want to know about. All right. Uh, I'm running out of things to say. My hair looks terrible. My face is ugly, and I'm out of here. This is Junkmeister 2000 hitting the books.